gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, and he just does it. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Co., where you can build your dream home in four states, the Carolinas, that would be two states, both North and South Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia, as low as $165 per square foot. Mm-hmm. The thebarndominiumco.com. Thanks to Alicia Fields and their entire team and staff for what they do, making people's dreams come true. I actually rode by a barn dominium yesterday on the golf cart right down the street. And man, these things are so awesome. Uh, one day, Carrie and I will be in one just sipping on our chicken cock whiskey, which, by the way, of course, serves our program here as well. Signorama is the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, football, soon basketball, next baseball, and everywhere in between on campus in Columbia. That is uh, the Fine work of Matt Vaughn and his staff in West Columbia, Sinorama.com. JC, JB, and Mad Dog Phil here until 2 o'clock today, being joined at noon by the golden tones of Mike Morgan, but right now by the very, very talented Hail Yeah McGranahan. Hey, hey, what's going on? We're all living the dream, Hale. Can't you tell? Yeah. Hell, was that the one of you? Was that one of the worst sports weeks for you? I don't know who you pull for in the NFL. So the 49ers, that was that was tough. Oh God! Oh, you're a Niners guy. Ah, you. Yes, right. You like? Yeah, I remember that now. So you lost yeah. to the Browns. Gamecocks did what they did. The Braves did what they did. Hmm. I don't think. Yeah, it was. Worse. I I think it was last week. I, yeah, it seems like a million years ago. The last week when I was like really regretting getting too hyped up about uh, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper's base running blunder, uh, and I tried to I tried to own it even though nobody knew that I said said what I said to Bryce Harper. I called him a loser, uh, oh, so man. I felt like he heard that through my TV and was oh taking it out on me, not Orlando Arcia. So I want to take the blame for that. <laughs> Let's deflect from Orlando. Yeah, and, uh, this way. 
admits mm. it's his fault. That's all right. Yeah. That's big of you, Hill. Yeah, no, hey, I, yeah. you know, it's it's for the people. That's right. It, it, it can't get any worse. I was just like, it. it was like at the, the, it's like Christmas vacation. We're at the threshold of hell. It can't get any worse. Hey, speaking of that, I've got a, I got a quick poll question for you three. Do, do y'all like the? Do you remember a few years ago when uh, Vacation came out? Uh, like Russ, Russ, no, no, Vacation. Russ, the son, took his family. Christina Applegate was his no. wife. Took them on a trip. Did y'all see that? I watched Never it. Seen. I was thought it was about a C minus. C- not minus. bad. Not terrible. I mean, what? It wasn't as bad as like that vacation where it was like uh, Randy Quaid's character. Uh, his, oh. uh, you know, you talking about Eddie, Vegas vacation? Uh, no, no. There's one. that's a rogue one. It's Uncle Eddie's. Easter oh. spectacular. Or yeah, something. I never, I never saw that. Yeah, that one was terrible. It but, was. Uh, oh yeah, it was kind of like Major League Three. Just had the name, but not much of the magic. But uh, I, I thought it was okay. You know, at the end when I kind of felt bad because Chevy Chase is getting old, and they went, you know, they went to see him at Beverly D'Angelo at the the place. And he just he's kind of still, still Clark Griswold, but not. So I was kind of sad at the end, but uh, it, I think it Clark Griswold is the greatest dad ever, right? Isn't he the greatest dad character of all time? What yeah. about Mister Brady? No. I would, I would go Red Foreman from that '70s show. Red <laughs> that is a great pick. <laughs> I love that guy. That is a great pick, Hale. But that's God, two Hale, different categories. It made me smile, man. You've I've got seen. show and movie, though. You got shows. Yeah, and movie. show movie. It's like yeah. show dads. I'm going with Tim the Toolman Taylor. That's that's my pick. Oh, that's a decent pick. That's a decent pick, dude. I yeah, know. I guess there, there's a difference between TV dad and movie dad. So I I, well, I bagged a little bit there. It kind of depends on the mo- type of movie too, because like the dad from the Last of the Mohicans, I don't know how you can, I don't know how you can argue against him. Look at what he did. You remember? Remember the last thing? When he just runs up the mountain and kills everybody with a machete. Yeah. And he's like 5'9", 210, chubby, and just sprints because it's his daughter or son or whoever. Yeah. All right. But so, okay. So there's different types. So different. We got to explore that more. Maybe top 10 movie dads at some point during the season. Mike Morgan will help us there too. Clark Griswold definitely on that list, though. Oh, there's no question. How about Anakin Skywalker? No. (laughs) I mean, Clark. Think about Clark, man. He 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 made so many great efforts to take his family on on different vacations, and he's the great. He's a Christmas dad. He's he you know teaches them the things that you don't want to do as a father, like fall off ladders and stuff. So, I'm I'm sticking with my man Clark. Afraid to get a beer when mom's not looking. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we could do this all day. Oh, liven up the week for the great Gamecock fans of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. All right, Hale. Um, Carolina, of course, fell 41 to 39 this weekend. Shane will meet with the media in just a little while today. Um, and um, they will try to flush this and move on to another Columbia. That would be in Columbia, Missouri, to get a win. There are two games under 500 at this point in time. It's, 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 there's a, <laughs> You know, I'm not really sure how much there is to slice and dice at this point in time. You know, it's like, well, 
defense really hadn't been that good. The offense has made strides, but yet here they sit at two and four with back-to-back road trips. It just seems like uh, there's a lot of lo- uh, hope that is lost. We are going to get to some recruiting stuff with you here in just a moment. They did pick up a nice commitment on the weekend uh, from Jalua Solomon. Maybe some other big names are on tap. I read your report, uh, I think it was last night, and uh, a good report for, for Carolina football. But currently it's two and four, and, um, and uh, the light is not flickering as brightly as it was just a few weeks ago. Right, and sorry if there's any noise. My my next door neighbor, I think her yard guys are over there doing some work right now. So if there's any any buzz, that's on my end. I think we're but, used uh, to that between JC and Mike, man. It's all. Oh, cool. okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, as far as South Carolina's uh, last game this past Saturday, defensively, I mean, I said it last week with you guys that defensively, that was that needed to be a game where they stepped up and made some plays and did their part, quite, quite frankly, and, and they didn't. Whether you want to blame Clayton White or whoever else on that defensive staff or any of the handful of players who didn't make a play when they could have made a play or whatever, I, it was just an all-around uh, disappointing result, disappointing outcome for, for that group. Can't ask for much more out of your offense. You would think that scoring 37 points against a, you know, middle-of-the-road offense uh, at home is, is going to get it done, and it didn't. And the blowing a 10-point lead is an issue. <laughs> Having the issues still on special teams, they're, they're little things, whether it's a lining up offsides or maybe a bigger thing like a 28-yard punt. And, and leaving the offense uh, with a short field to, to move the ball on, uh, th- there were there were some issues that, that continue to pop up uh, this past Saturday that we've seen before, whether it's Mississippi State hitting the deep balls or, you know, the special teams issues. It, the, these things have, have become a trend now, and, and that's concerning uh, when, when you're trying to find some more wins on, on this schedule with, with six games to go and, and knowing what's ahead – this weekend with Missouri and, and maybe down the road, it's it's it, they're, they're running out of time to, to salvage the season. I, I hate talking like that here halfway through the schedule, but but that's where we are. And that, that was a game they were supposed to win. They were favored to win, uh, and, and they didn't get it done. And, and again, it's, it's even more disappointing because you're up 10 and you're at home and, and your offense played great. Yeah, I, I think what's um... – what has really caught my attention is that um, when uh, oppo- opposing teams this year have found a weakness, and and the weaknesses have been relatively different from week to week. Uh, clearly, we know what happened in Williams-Brice Stadium the last couple of home games, Will Rogers and then Graham Mertz identifying one mismatch. It, it just – it just seems it just seems like that uh, once that is identified by opposing offensive coordinators, their staff, and their 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 players, that the Gamecocks have just done nothing uh, really to 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 make any changes. If they have made changes, they haven't worked um, to make any adjustments to shut that down. Hey, this guy is this is where they're going. This is how they're beating us. Let's you know try to stop that. It just they haven't done that, and and I think the I, I think that although people would be still very upset by the way that it all unfolded, if it was another guy and, and man, you just you just 
kind of got beat. Uh, they just out-schemed you there at the end was somebody that came out of nowhere. You would still at least tip your cap and move on. But, I mean, everybody in the ballpark that had been watching the game knew where the ball was going. Hell, and same thing in the Mississippi State game. I mean, it was, it was like, guys, this is who they're looking for. And there was nothing they could do to stop it. So, I, I, I don't know what the answer is, uh, Hale, but I, I, I know that uh, Shane will have to talk today and that the coordinators will have to talk tomorrow, and, and I'll be interested to hear their response to questions, if there are questions that ask why that is. I don't have an issue with having your best player, you know, being asked to do some things that, that maybe aren't always, you know, what lineup – lines up with his skill set like you you can you can do that at at the beginning of the game have Nicky Manwari covering their best receiver because he's lining up in the slot like I, I don't mind that game plan but when it's in the fourth quarter and you know for sure more than likely they're going to be throwing the ball and they're going to be looking for their best receiver mm-hmm. and again Nicky Manwari is probably the best overall player on this defense, but he's not the best cover guy on this defense, not on a, you know, six foot, 190 pound receiver who, who's probably going to beat you more often than not. And it's not like he was just totally roasting Nick and, and just running away from him, making him look terrible. Like Nick's a good player. So like it it wasn't, it didn't look so one-sided if you're just, watching it one rep at a time and oh yeah yeah he made the catch so coverage was pretty tight uh he had to, he had to go make a play and he did so you know tip your cap to the receiver right well that <laughs> there there was an entire there were two entire drives where they were looking for that matchup and when they got it uh they they exploited it and now you know Pearsall made some catches on on some other guys for sure mm-hmm. but I, I just would have felt a little bit better about saying, "Hey, let, let's let's get a cornerback on this guy," and maybe that's highlights the concern that that Shane has talked about previously coming into the season and at times throughout the season already is they don't have a lot of depth at cornerback, and and I think we're seeing that. Like it, you you get back to the kind of debate of like you want your best eleven players on the field. Who are they? Well. You know, you've only got two guys who who are really anywhere close to being in that conversation. So uh, you're you're going to run into some issues when when that that's the type of matchup you're faced with. And uh, not only are they going to be faced with it again this weekend at Missouri, uh, Missouri's got more than just one receiver that's that's a really good player. So they're going to have to try to figure that out uh, for this week especially. But it's it just highlights another concern that we've had about this defense, you know, since, you know, August or earlier. I, I think uh, I'm a JC. I want to say something real quick and then let you, cause th- th- you've hit on this and let you and Hale kind of take this from here. Mississippi state game. Who, who was the, who was the matchup issue? Not that, not Mississippi state's guy, not Tulu. Who was he matched up against that he kept beating? He had DQ, right? DQ was in the slot some, and some of that were they. It wasn't all on on DQ. Like there were a couple of plays where he was just one on one, and he got beat. But some of the real egregious ones were were breakdowns in, in coverage elsewhere. Um, and you know, I I don't know that it's just one guy per se when when it comes to 
to you know who they're putting in the nickel spot, but it, it's been kind of a breakdown when it comes to to just getting it right, covering guys out of the slot, and and to right. me that's you know. The coach, I, I think, I think the Mississippi State stuff. A lot of it was on the players, quite frankly, and, and you could maybe say the same at times about uh, the Florida game. But I mean, like I said, Pearsall is just just beating Emen Worry uh, and, and some other guys in the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, even there were a couple reps, a couple plays in, in the second quarter. One was that kind of corner out the South Carolina sideline where he made a really great catch. Tri- Tracked the ball over his shoulder, and Mertz it was probably his best throw of the game. Uh, and email where was kind of close then, but there was a, the drive before that when uh, Nick knocked down and got a PBU, but he also got away with a pass, a pass interference in front of Florida sidelines. So, like to me, the writing was on the wall there that that matchup wasn't going to be necessarily in South Carolina's favor. And so, I, I would look at that as more of like a hey that's probably a little more on the coaching staff for not being ready to, to address that where, as opposed to the Mississippi state game where it was like, all right, there were, there were some breakdowns uh, on the players end that led to some of those really big plays. Sorry for being long winded with that answer. You're not. I, I think that what we're seeing here is we're seeing bad matchups and the Gamecocks aren't figuring out a way to get out of them. Yeah. That's pretty, that's, pretty that's simple happened all year. I mean, yeah. I, I sat there and, and look, I'm not saying that there's there aren't individual player breakdowns because, good God, Marcelo Style picked the worst possible time to have his worst game. Um, that missed tackle was just baffling. How he Pearsall's not, I mean, dude, he's not uh, Luther Burden or, or anybody. I mean, he's not the most elusive cat out there. He's kind of a what I call a blue collar receiver. That's like tricky good. And he just put a little move on. I mean, it, it looked like like Marcellus's cleat was stuck. That, that was that was Boardingham, the tight end who who made that play, which is probably even more alarming that a tight end was able to. Oh yeah, there were a couple. Of them. Yeah, there was there was one on the on the Florida sideline and one on the Gamecock sideline. So oh, okay, I'm so, I thought you were talking about that fourth down. Oh play. yeah, the fourth one was definitely Boardingham, and yeah, yeah, and that's a guy that hadn't even played a whole lot until two weeks ago for Florida because I, I look kind of looked into him. He had a good game against Vandy after being inserted into the lineup. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that, but you you look back, North Carolina, I sat in the stands and saw it coming. Uh, big, they ran this big old deep cross, right? And Drake May throws it back across the field. And lo and behold, they have a tight end matched up against uh, Stone Blanton. Well, then, uh, lo and behold, they have a fast receiver and Kobe Pesar matched up against Keenan Nelson. You're not going to win that one very many times. That's good coaching versus bad coaching. Okay. Furman ran the slant all night until they finally adjusted in the third quarter. You know, Georgia, I've said this on every show I've been on this week. Not sure what Bobo was thinking first half, but he sure adjusted second half uh, very subtly with his run game and ended up attacking a gap that Carolina just wasn't willing to cover. Okay. Mississippi State, we've mentioned, you know, Tennessee, just uh, destroyed them with the outside runs. They had no answer for that. And then, then there were some other issues and breakdowns. And then we saw what we saw Saturday. Uh, over and over again, and this kind of goes in this thing where other, other teams have coaches too, guys. These guys get paid. These guys have track records. Um, they're figuring out ways to get into matchups, like Jamie said. 
there's 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 no adjustment to sort of get out of it. And, and I guess it really just hit us all in the face like a frying pan Saturday when with the game on the line, surely they would avoid that. Surely. And it didn't happen. Yeah, that that to me, like Ricky Pearsall is their best receiver, mm-hmm. and and you don't have your best cornerback or even a cornerback on him more often than not, and that that to me is is was the issue. I mean, I yeah, I I don't know how else to say it. Like it was time it was time to win. Like I know why they had Eman worried the safety and they're trying to blitz him which is part of the, the bigger issues. Like they're trying to create some, some pass rush by bringing another guy and, and they chose to, to go that route with him coming from the nickel spot. And maybe if you're a little bit better up front and can have more of a generate more of a pass rush with your front four or any defensive end, uh, maybe you don't feel like you have to do that as much with Nikki Menwari or whoever else you're you're trying to 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 blitz from from other parts of the field and and thus uh leaving yourself open to to some tough matchups or uh vulnerable to to some big plays if you can't get home. Yeah, and Hale, I want to add this too. Look, we can all sit here and go back and forth all day long with the X's and the O's and the this and the that's and the Y's and the yada yada yada. Here's the baseline of this conversation for Carolina fans. I think I'll speak on behalf of all of them and they'll probably uh, understand exactly what I'm saying here. Th- th- this fan base is tired of showing up every week and watching somebody who shouldn't be having a career day against them have a career day against them. It right. happens a lot around here, and it happened twice on Saturday. Graham Mertz had a career day, and Ricky Pearsall had a career day. Every week, it seems like. It's not every week, but it's it happens a lot. Every week, it seems like somebody has a career day. And so, like, Again, we can go back and forth, right, Hale? Uh, you can be on the big spur and, and doing breakdown stuff, and JC can do that, and Hale or uh, Whittle and Alex and Ben Briner, and, and we have Pat DeMarco and Perry Orth and Michael Flynn on to do that for us every week. We can go back and forth all this all we want to. And all these fine folks, the 10,000-plus that watch and listen to us every day, about 5% of them are really going to understand exactly what we're talking about from an X's and O's standpoint. At the end of the day, they don't care. They're trying to figure out why did when every time they watch the TV, they see this little highlight come up at the bottom of the screen that says so-and-so has a career day for receptions and yards. So-and-so is thrown for a career high in passing yards. So-and-so has run for a career high. This guy here has had a career career high in tackles today. It just seems to happen a lot against South Carolina, and I think that there's just a lot of people that are very, very frustrated by that. Or you play a team that's scored more points and – was going to have more yards than they have against any team they've played all season, including McNeese State and Vanderbilt. So that's right. a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I and they, the one thing that I can say on the other side of that conversation is, since he has been here, Coach Beamer is really good about really surprising a lot of people. Just when you expect them to kind of fall flat and die off, they don't. Uh, they've been good about it the last couple of years, getting up off the mat, keeping his guys engaged, believing in what they're doing, and going out and getting some wins. So as it, as it as far as this weekend goes against Missouri, Hale, I mean, we've seen enough of them now. You know, it, I felt like for what, J.C., how many times did we have this conversation around here, Phil? Don't know who Missouri is. Don't know who Kentucky is. You, you, we, we've seen them now. You know, they, they've been playing for half the year. 
I, I think they're a pretty good football team. So there's a challenge in front of them going on the road to a place they don't really, I'm talking about Carolina, really ever have much success up there, Hale. So your early thoughts on the matchup. I don't know how that game opened as Missouri at a seven-point favorite. Like Maybe the Lions makers thought the game was being played in Columbia, South Carolina. I don't know. Like it, They've got three really good receivers, and South Carolina is afraid to put more than two different guys at cornerback. More than – I mean, they're not putting anybody else in the game to play corner unless Adonna Fortune or Marcella Style has to come out. That's scary for this matchup. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Vakari Swain's going to be ready to play or if Judge Collier's going to have to play more or, or what, but, you know, Nicky Manwarrior, DQ Smith, or Jalen Kilgore are safeties. And if you ask them to cover a good slot receiver, it's not going to end well more often than not. So, like, I, I just don't see this. Maybe I'm too caught up in what, what's happened. Uh, so far this season, I don't think I am because it's happened a couple different times. But uh, it's it's a it's a tough matchup for for that particular area. And um, Spencer Rattler is going to have to play really well again and carry the offense as best he can. They're going to have to still be able to run the ball. Uh, but but as we've seen, uh, that may not be enough. And that's what uh, gives me a little pause about uh, how how this line opened at uh, only Missouri by a touchdown. What do you think, guys? You think they can just grind out 12-yard possessions? Uh, uh, 12 point, uh, sorry, 12-minute possessions, Gamecocks? Just, you know, no. th- three and a half yards. <laughs> let it go all the way down to one second. Three and a half yards. Well, I don't know. No, no that's all not right. how the offense. Hey, hey, look, uh, always some uh, explosive in there that we've been, you know, doing well at, but – if you can't stop them on the other side, I don't know. The thing that worries me, it was like, you, you, you want to shoot out against Mississippi state. You lost a shootout against a team with, you know, that you shouldn't have this past weekend, but you've yet to win a shootout on the road. Cause Tennessee tried to put one up for you and you had nothing for it. So, you know, Let's hope, you know, at least offense comes, even though you're supposed to bring your defense with you on the road in the SEC here. Uh, you know, Spencer's going to have to have a, a, a banner. Day. He's going to have to have the career day in somebody else's stadium, I think, for this to for to pull off this win. It, 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 that's very possible. I mean, he can. He yeah. can have a career day anywhere. Yeah. I wouldn't say I mean, that's the X factor. Problem, yeah. We all know no, that. No, yeah, that's the X factor. You got that in your pocket at least, but, you know, you're going to have to stop him. Well, my yeah. thought is it was like, okay, with the offensive line, we saw where the talent was enough to kind of push the experience or whatever out of the way from a youth perspective. We've got, we're starting two freshmen now on the offensive line. Does it get to a point with this defense where somebody's frustrated enough to be like, you know what? We got some talented guys back here. They're just not necessarily experienced. I'd rather live and die by that than, you know, continue to roll out what it is that we're doing over and over again. I don't I don't know that they've that you can say that about the the secondary or yeah because yeah, yeah, like, you don't the proportion is not there like it was in the O line. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well I don't I don't think talent's the problem back there. I no. mean I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'll die on that hill. You know, I, I I got a lot of faith in those guys. I mean, two of them were freshman all American last year. I mean that 
Yeah, that's the you other know. frustrating part. <laughs> they do have talent there. You know, it is talent. It's like they got players. So yeah, I, I was speaking more so at, at the cornerback position, not not safety. Yeah. Not, I think they've they've the the three they've got going now with Nick and DQ and, and Jalen Kilgore, like those guys are really good, and and I think everybody should feel feel great about the outlook at that position. It's just you know they don't have enough cornerbacks, and and when you got to cover more than two receivers on the field, or one of those guys is going to go inside and play out the slot, like that's going to you know put you in a bind. Hale, before we let you get out of here, you got to go cover a press conference. Uh, give us a quick update on the recruiting front. Of course, Jalewis Solomon uh, flipped his commitment. As JC pointed out yesterday here on our program, and I'm pretty sure, Hale, you pointed it out last night as well in the VIP room, uh, that um, this is the first, at least if we can all remember, a flip from Auburn. Uh, it's something that I know the Gamecocks have been working on for a while. They got it done, and he seems very likely to ink in just a couple of months in the early signing period. Outside of that, some news maybe on Cameron Fountain and some other stuff going on behind the scenes. So uh, fill us in and, and tell everybody who is, for whatever reason, not a subscriber to the Big Spur to subscribe to the Big Spur. And then they can read all this stuff before we talk about it. Yeah, the uh, the Jalua Solomon news was something that we've been we were hinting at and, and talking about and felt really good about uh, for the last several weeks and said many times before that that South Carolina wasn't going to give up on them and and that persistence paid off and you know we're, I'm sitting here talking about how I think they they have some issues at cornerback with with the lack of depth there and and they've got a guy in Solomon now who who they're of the belief that can come in and play early and and be a contributor so uh, that's good for next year maybe not necessarily this year but uh you know, down the road, that's that's something to be excited about, and 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 to think what what he could add to that secondary is it's cool. Like that that's real nice, and it'll be even cooler and nicer if they can add a second pass rusher to to complement Dylan Stewart or not complement, just run alongside him. And if it's Cameron Fountain, uh, that would be awesome as well. Like JC and I were, were kind of going back and forth last week about him and, and what it would mean for him to be in this class and, and how, you know, I guess uh, historic that might be. Uh, he, he's a really, really good prospect and, and had a great visit this past weekend. And, and maybe some folks are like, well, gosh, they, they watched the defense give up 41 points and, and lose a game that they should have won. Uh, when, when you're a coach trying to make a pitch to a guy who plays defense and your defense is – having issues and struggling to get off the field you can say hey we'll get you out there and you'll get us off the field and you're going to play a lot because we don't have many guys who you can do that for us clearly you saw it with your own two eyes whereas if it's a quarterback or a receiver who's watching an offense like we saw the last couple of years for the most part that can't really score points and isn't moving the ball and uh, nobody's putting up any kind of numbers uh that's a lot harder to sell. So <laughs> I don't, I don't want to try to, you know, dress this up uh, and, and put lipstick on, on a pig by any means. But when, when you're talking strictly recruiting and, and, and what, what's easier to, to pitch to guys uh, th- that's the better, the, the better option uh, as, as some really good defensive players seeing a defense that, that's having some trouble. So Solomon's admitted it. Like he, he, he saw saw it and hey I can come in and play early. 
Cam Fountain said the same thing. Jonte Gilbert, the 2025 safety from Atlanta, said the same thing. And I bet just about any other defensive prospect who was at that game last night was was either hearing that from the coaches or, or thinking about it with their own mind or talking about it with their people they're there with at the game. So, um, you know, it, it was it was a tough result, but but maybe uh, weirdly enough, it, it could help uh, pay some dividends in, in recruiting. Carolina can flip Cam Fountain. They would have two of the top ten defensive ends in the country, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. We'll wait and see. That's a great name, by the way. Cameron Fountain on the tackle. Cameron Fountain on the sack. Cameron Fountain has D-headed the quarterback. Whatever. Hale, have a great Tuesday afternoon. We always appreciate your time around here collectively. Hell yeah. And we'll see you next week, hopefully, after a South Carolina upset in the other Columbia. Maybe they'll have a beer or two from the Mayor's Cup thing pulled off. Yeah, only only if you're 21 and up. Maybe some of those guys uh, in the secondary, the safeties are probably a little too young to do that. Uh, but Yeah, uh, you're right. That's longer Jordan, than the rule. Jordan Strawn's old enough. Some other guys definitely yeah. as well. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on. Always a pleasure. Y'all have a good one. You got it. Thanks, man. Uh, the great Hale McGranahan from this uh, this uh, website they call TheBigSpur.com. If you uh, log in on the Chief Sports app, you can log in every time on the Chief Sports app. It'll keep you logged in. You can just pull up our app and, bam, there you go. Instead of having to go right to the web browser, uh, all everything stays the same. So uh, we hope you'll hope you'll do that. By the way, it's, long, uh, it's, it's a standing tradition at South Carolina. If you play athletics, you – cannot drink any alcohol until you're 21 and uh, we certainly abide by that i have right, never th- heard of anything other than that and i've never no. seen an athlete there have a drop before they turn 21 no, nothing so. nothing nothing to that nothing hats to see off there. to the law-abiding athletic citizens of the great state of South in fact Carolina. no college no no student at the university you see now they say a clemson man needs no introduction yeah neither a carolina people in general because they they don't drink until they're 21 and well and and that's the point i think we were all trying to prove to old dick harpootlian who decided he wanted to just blow everything up and think that he was going to be in charge of this that and the other you know dick, they wait till they're 21 you know just give them a chance man i don't know maybe you don't have to live next to five points but you know whatever all right gotta hit a timeout politics for another day uh don't go anywhere the great golden tones of mike morgan will be here at noon at one we'll be joined on the set by brad crawford from 24 7 sports and uh, when jc brad and mike are here there's no reason for me to talk so phil can just steer the ship from there and i'll just sit back and listen nah i'm just kidding phil i'll keep talking we're served by chicken <laughs> it feels like sounds good to me we're served <laughs> by chicken cock whiskey play the chicken cock challenge on the Chief Sports app, it is fine, fine bourbon. Matter of fact, the guy that owns it just sent me a text. He might be coming by our live remote on Friday, which would be just wonderful. Wow. That'd be awesome. Hang tight. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game 
Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cold Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight out the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. Endless summer. Go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. October the 17th. Okay. Good to see you, JC. You have yourself a good day. JC will be back in a minute, I guess. Yeah, don't, uh, (laughs) you know, get get here. Just pull him him down for now. Um, Welcome back inside the Gamecocks. The show, as I mentioned, served by uh, Chicken Cock Whiskey uh, and Madi, who is the owner of Grain and Barrel Spirits, um, who... Is our partner with Chicken Cock and Dixie Vodka uh, just uh, just sent us a text, and he is going to come by our live remote on Friday. Those of you that are going, wait, I'm sorry, do what now? You're you're what on Friday? We will be at uh, Palm Casual in Somerville, South Carolina. If you haven't been to Palm Casual, it is just 
an incredible, incredible place. It's owned by one of the greatest Gamecocks I've ever met in my life, also one of the greatest people, uh, Aaron Beasley. And uh, this Sunday is the warehouse – it's their annual warehouse clearance sale. All right. I'm going to be clear about this. And I'm and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you – and I know yesterday somebody – I'm not sure who you were. I think one or two of you. I know one. I, I, I think there might have been a second one. Heard us talking about this and just happened to be in the area. Stopped by, talked to Aaron, and uh, said he was going to come back this weekend for the sale. So when I say this, I'm this is not one of those like live read things where you're promoting somebody because they're having a sale and you get there and you're like, it sucks. No, this is the, like you wouldn't understand what a sale is until you see this thing. It is nuts. I mean, it is like Christmas Day crazy beginning at 7 in the morning. This coming Sunday, we'll be live on Friday because we're not on the air on Sundays, but the sale begins at 7 a.m. on Sunday. So you can come see us on Friday if you'd like to certainly make sure you go in there on uh, Sunday. Sombrella Deluxe Cushions, uh, Wicker Seating, Teak, Cast Aluminum, Polymer Furniture, 60 to 80 percent off outdoor furniture. You want to soup up the backyard, you got the holidays coming up, you got the family coming over, you want to watch football out there, kids' movie nights, whatever it is that you do outside on your back porch, your back deck, your back patio, maybe it's in the front. I don't care where the hell it goes. This is the best stuff that you can possibly get. And uh, Palm Casual is, once again, Gamecock owned and operated. 350 Holiday Drive. 350 Holiday Drive in Somerville. And... um, it just cannot wait. Uh, we're actually, my wife and I are going to get some stuff this weekend from them as well. JC, you've been on my back porch, so uh, clearly you you know we care about what it looks like out there, and we're going to do some upgrading, we've decided, and I uh, really can't wait. They are, by the way, Palm Casual is the largest outdoor cushion manufacturer in the whole country, and um, they've supplied furniture for the coaches' offices of South Carolina. Uh, Coach Spurrier used to have a set up there, as a matter of fact. So it's pretty cool, and um, and we really appreciate them. Uh, been around since the seventies. This is a neat story, by the way. the The original. I'll move on. The original owners of this company, who is still the same family. As a matter of fact, the family that started this company are the, is the Crowfoot family. Ike was a long snapper and a holder here at South Carolina back uh, for Coach Holtz and Coach Spurrier. His his grandma and granddad started this company. Granddad stuffed the cushions, grandma sewed them, and then they boomed into the largest outdoor cushion manufacturer in America, and now they've got all the best furniture you can find. So cannot wait to be there on Friday from 11 to 2 for our remote, and then beginning at 7 a.m. on Sunday, the annual warehouse clearance sale at uh, Palm Casual. 60 to 80% off. Um, Looking forward, by the way, to getting Mike in here in just a little bit. Mike has such a a 10,000-foot view on all of football, basketball, baseball, the whole nine yards, guys. But, uh, you know, it, it's very difficult, and I absolutely agree with it and understand it. And I won't <laughs> – I don't disagree with anybody who's having a very frustrating week, you know, because fans spend their whole summer – well, actually, let's back that up. Their whole winter, their whole spring, and their whole summer, looking forward to playing football, and and this team has been 
seemingly pretty close to having a nice start to the year, right? And and here they are. Uh, you think about this. Let's summarize it real quick, Phil, JC. They're two and four, okay? Um, one of those wins is against Furman. One of those wins is against Mississippi State, in which they really hung on. Uh, they were in the ball game early against North Carolina, but sacked nine times. Felt like they were kind of left for dead on the offensive side of the ball. They go to Athens, and they're dominating the first half, right? Like, we're all sitting here. I, y'all, we're on the text chain. So the three of us in, in the Golden Tones are going back and forth going, yeah, like, this is – they're playing unbelievably well right now. Exceptional football. And then you get that second half, and it kind of rips the life out of you. But, you know, hey, look, man, they hung in there on the road. They lost by 10 points in Athens, Georgia, right? So, you know, this this team might have a chance to be pretty good. It's the number one team in the country. And there they are, kind of doing their thing. And then you go to Tennessee, and you, you get off to not a bad start, an okay start, and then they, they just – debacle at the end of the first half and it kind of falls apart and you kind of fall apart and then you get this on Saturday where you're up by 10 with five minutes to go there there is just any which way that you could be frustrated as a South Carolina fan coming into the season having the expectations that most fans have had you've probably been that frustrated and and that's just through six games and again you now have this back-to-back road trip coming up. So the the fact that there just seems to be no hope, I get it. I understand it. it. Everything's been frustrating in these losses. Some stuff's been frustrating in these wins, and now it's very frustrating that you don't get a cookie that comes in next week. You, you got to go on the road. You got to go on the road again. So uh, it's um, we feel you, man. We feel you. Uh, I don't. I uh, will say this at two and four. I don't know that it's as bad as it looks because I just I'm one of those people. It's never as bad as it seems. It is never as good as it seems. But I certainly understand why people say, "Yeah, you're wrong. We're two and four, and it's bad because that means that you're only a couple of losses away from sitting home during bowl season." And look, I don't think expectations were crazy this year. I I don't think anybody was <clears throat> predicting Carolina to go to Atlanta. I think. Best case, people kind of hope maybe they'd slide in, you know, if Tennessee took a step, a couple steps back. And, and I think Tennessee has certainly on offense. I think they've taken a big step forward with their defense. Um, you know, and, and we see Kentucky sort of a flawed operation right now. I don't think anybody expected Devin Leary to be that bad, especially with, you know, everybody's super duper OC Liam Cohen coming back, but they've had issues. Um, Missouri, in spite of their success, and I do think Missouri is a good football team, and I'm probably not picking the Gamecocks to win this weekend. But Missouri almost lost to Middle Tennessee State. Memphis had them beat. Kansas State had them beat. Had it not been for a uh, you know 61 yard field goal, Kentucky was up on them early. I mean, they're not. None of these teams are super duper. And we've talked ad nauseum about Florida. It's hard to talk about Florida and their struggles after they hang 41 on you, right? <laughs> I mean, that's tough. Mm-hmm. But I think most were kind of hoping for record-wise a season like last year, understanding the schedule's tough. I think North Carolina at the time took everybody by surprise, but 
had Carolina been playing North Carolina this past weekend, you know, I don't think anybody'd be surprised. Um, you know, and 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 I, I don't know that anybody thought they'd win in Knoxville or or, or Athens. Uh, but that Florida game, you know, Mike's talked about it. Florida, Missouri, Kentucky. Those are ones you had to have. I think inside the program, they felt like it was one they had to have. And daggone, they almost had it. But the same old, same old keeps happening. And here's the problem that you have right now. Okay. Beamer has won some big games here. And he's won some against all odds. Right? And that's good. That That counts more than you know, some of these disappointing losses count against you. But the reality is right now, you're kind of looking for where the win and the opportunities are going to come from. You have one of the best quarterbacks in program history that was, what, 17-2 and as a starter before he got here? And you look at him right now, and he's 10-9 and as a starter. And most of his losses have come for one of two reasons. Number one, the offense was a dumpster fire because of coaching. And number two, the defense all of a sudden is getting exploited because of coaching. And, and that's tough. That's tough to sell when people start playing. I'm not trying to point that out and be Mr. I'm not like, I'm not sitting here saying the Beamer era is hopeless and can't be saved. I think a lot of it, like people pointed out, is growing pains of a first time head coach. Um. Because, you know, you can ask any coach, you know, it gets easier. Ask Kirby Smart. Uh, even though Kirby had a great year, too, you know, he went through some tough tough ones <laughs> and some learning experiences. This game will humble you, especially in the SEC. Um, but that that's, that's tough to swallow, I think, for a lot of folks. Because, you know, and, and the other part of it is, is the inconsistency. You, you, you see a guy go out there individually and have a, a great game. Um, and then, you know, that guy kind of disappears another, and, and, you know, kind of the same things that happened with the, the offense last year are happening for the defense this year for different reasons. Um, I think being a defensive coach these days is hard. Um, I looked back and did some self, some kind of scouting, I guess, uh, I, I may have mentioned this yesterday. Some guy, the good, there are a lot of good defensive coordinators who've gotten figured out. Uh, I'll name a few more besides Tyrone Nix. Uh, Alex Grinch, you know, when he was coaching for Mike Leach, they were stopping people, dude. That They went to Oregon and won 33 to 10. Washington State stopped and held Oregon to 10 points. We'll, we'll look at him now. You know, they want him out tomorrow at Southern Cal. Uh, and he wasn't that good at Oklahoma either. You know, uh, Reggie Herring and Vic Coning both at Clemson. Uh, had great years, and then boom, Kevin Steele too. You know, the great defensive coordinators stay one set step ahead. You know, your 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 Gary Pattersons of the world, even though he's when they got to the Big Twelve, gave up a bunch of points at times. That was more a function of their offense. They always stay one step ahead. Even a guy like Bud Foster, who stayed one step ahead for like 10, 12 years, look at the end of his career at Virginia Tech. Outside of that win at Ohio State, you know, he really struggled with certain styles of offense. So sometimes these guys just get figured out. And if they don't, if they don't figure it out, it's just like changing the tires on your car. You know, that's, 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 that's a dead deal there. You got to go do something else. Um, And South Carolina uh, under Shane Beamer could not afford to have lackluster coordinators. 
he's just not that type. He's a coach that's got to have great coordinators. And look, I know that the special teams is up and down this year. Uh, I think that's more of a function of depth than anything. You got guys playing on special teams now that weren't playing last year, and then guys playing more snaps on defense, so you can't play them as much because they're playing on offense or defense more. I get it. That's that's your, your special teams. The greatness of that personnel wise comes through through just recruiting back to back to back great classes. That that's that's how people do it. That's how Florida used to do it. Alabama does it. Whatever you can coach all you want, and he's still got some fakes in him. But Pete Limbo is a great special teams coordinator. I think Dowell Loggins every single game gets better, and I got to give him credit because he doesn't just sit back and go, "Oh well, we're just going to do the same thing." You know, he's always tinkering, whether it's offensive line, whether it's plays. Uh, and I think if there's a positive to his NFL background, it's, it's it's that. It's not the complexity and nuance that he's pouring all over these kids. It's like, okay, in the NFL every week you have to make some adjustments, right? But he realizes he's smart enough, unlike, you know, some other coaches, that, that you can't just throw everything out and put everything back in with in college. It's got to be more subtle. Uh, and, and you know what? You know who's good at making small adjustments during the week to where, you know, week to week you looked at his offense and you didn't know – you couldn't recognize it pre-snap? Steve Spurrier. You know, because it wasn't about plays and putting new plays in or whatever. It was about adjusting formations, getting leverage, getting good matchups, that kind of thing. Uh, and Dowell Loggins has done that. You know, and, and look, I'm just as shocked as anybody Clayton White's defense hasn't gotten better in year three and regressed like it has. But we've seen this movie before around here and in other programs, especially on defense. Sometimes they just figure right, figure you out, and that's it. You know, <laughs> and, 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 and you know that's that. You know, I mean, I'm not. I hope that's not the case with half a season to go. I like Clayton White. I think he's a good man. I think he's had some great moments here defensively. Uh, I, I don't, I don't hate his scheme. I sometimes kind of questioned uh, the whole nickel thing. If if you're not going to really get what you want out of the position, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't do it that way. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not smart enough defensively. Uh, X's nose wants to even tell you, but I do know enough to know there's a lot of really good D coordinators out there that end up, you know, they get caught up with, and then that's it. So. I don't know what I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but you know I, I do know right now uh, this defense has too much talent to be the worst in the league, which is what it basically is. Um, should they be top three? I'm not saying that. Should they at least be competent? Uh, yes. Should quarterbacks not be who, who've never thrown over 300 yards have 400 yard days against them? Absolutely not. Uh, should their best receiver be matched up with your safety on a deep post with the game on the line? Absolutely not. And I'll leave it at that. Vanilla is the word that I've uh, continued to hear from those that I ask about, about the defense. That's not anything personal. I agree with you. I think Clayton White is an outstanding person. I know that he is. As a matter of fact, I think he's got it in him to get things fixed. But thus far, it, it's not fixed, and it's not good. And uh, week in and week out, there continue to be mismatches that they continue to not be able to figure out. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, it's another challenging contest coming up this weekend in Columbia as Missouri really can beat you in multitude of ways, and we all know that. 
South Carolina has turned into that on offense, running the football well and throwing the football well and all those type things. But uh, they got to figure out how to stop somebody, and maybe they'll do that this weekend. Mike Morgan will be joining us on the other side of the break. Brad Crawford is coming up at 1 o'clock. Mike, of course, will be here till 2. It's going to be a fun next couple of hours. Tell your friends, grab your lunch, sit down, and enjoy. Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. We'll be right back. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet-style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Settles in the pocket, launches one deep down the field, wide open at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown! 
Touchdown, Tampa Bay. It's time for Power Hour with Mike Morgan on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Looking deep downfield, rolling out, throws it up in the air, and it is caught. Touchdown, Troy Williamson. What a catch. Saturday evening here in bluegrass country. Ahead to Buckman. Slam City for Ronaldo. Buckman, the 20, 10, 5. Touchdown. To Frederick. Frederick. Plays it in at the buzzer. That's a win. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Who starred with one pull up three. Good if it goes. He got it. He got it. He got it. Carolina wins. Havens gets it high and deep to right. We'll see you at Hoover. All right, 12.02, hour two, inside the Gamecocks show, live from the Sinorama Studios. Welcome back, JC, JB, Phil, and the Golden Tunes of the great Mike Morgan. It's um, It seems crazy for me to even say this, but I'm going to do it, because if any of you are smart, you're you're getting a head start. Christmas is only two months away. We're all going to be broke soon. So if you want to save some money and you've got family that are Gamecock fans, unfortunately, like we all are, somewhere at the bottom of a barrel with a boatload of bourbon and no hope in life, maybe get them something new to cheer them up by heading to GamecockTraditions.com. At the bottom of the barrel, uh, usually. Uh, <laughs> We've been at the bottom of the barrel before. It ain't 1999 around here, that's for sure. The midseason sale is on. If you go to GamecockTraditions.com, if you're in the Columbia area, that's great. Head on over. Have at it. Go over there. Say hey to, hey, to the boys and girls that, uh, in the building and uh, give them hugs and kisses for us. We love them. We appreciate them. I know I do because they send me all my stuff in the mail because I hate to do this to people, but there just isn't anywhere in Charleston for me to get things that I want. So Gamecock Traditions has been saving the day for years. 25% off all apparel this week. The midseason sale uh, at uh, Gamecock Tradition. So, although it's been a tough start to the season, we all still have Christmas coming up, and we all still love our Gamecocks, and we all still want to dress in garnet and black. And uh, you can do it now for not as much money as you could yesterday. The midseason sale, GamecockTraditions.com. It's both online and in store. Special hello to our dear friend uh, Kevin Lucas, who's just awesome. The guy's just awesome. He's a winner in everything he does. And uh, they do a tremendous job over there. And we really, really appreciate them and Scott Satterfield and the whole game. We always appreciate the golden tones of Mike Morgan. All right. Uh, let's all play a game here. Look over Mike's left and right shoulders and try to figure out what ballpark he has featured today. There are mountains in the backdrop. And I already what do you know. think, guys? What do you have here? Uh, well, JC you know already? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I had this yesterday on JC and Morgan. Though. Mike uses the same stadium all week. He's consistent. Like the That's North right. Summer. That's right. Like Same stadium all week. Okay. Beautiful oh, backdrop. Like See all the trees. Actually, it has a, it has rolling a very similar setup to uh, War Memorial in Laramie, but it's not Wyoming. Um, no, I'm not wearing a Clemson shirt, Ryan. This is a Walt Disney World 
pull over because it's chilly. I, I, you should have said yes. Like, kind of was like Florida colors, I know. But uh, is that a blue or purple? purple? Yeah, I mean, blue that's the and question. reddish and yellow. There's some yellow in here. It's uh, cool. it's, it's very European. What do, you, what do you have here? What's your guess on the bed on this uh, stadium? Oh, I I can't. I, I'm they're I, Division One. The let me, I yeah. Let me I give you guys know. a. Clue. They are Division One. They're D One. Oh, everybody, that's right. Y'all all know from yeah. So I'm the only one that doesn't. Know. Well, that means I wasn't watching yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. <laughs> that's okay. If you're like many of the JC and Morgan uh, flock, you wait till later in the week, where our numbers kind of spike Tuesday, Ooh. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Even though we do it on Monday mornings now. There's mountains. Midwest or uh, out west? Nope. No, oh, that's not. Appalachia. Look at those trees. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's good a lot closer to home. Like I'm blocking the whole view. Yeah, a little bit. I'll, yeah. I'll give you a clue. It's right down a highway from where James Phil, and, Phil, yep. and Mike, Phil and Mike James used to Madison. live. James Madison. Just James Madison. Phil James and Mike both yeah. used to live on I. If you go I-81 from there. Uh, our two of our guys here used to live in that area. That's right. I, at Hawaii. Yeah. I, I lived in Arlington, Alexandria for five years as a child. And, yeah. uh, Phil has some Northern yeah. Virginia ties in, as well. Uh, yeah. Burke, Fairfax only. County, five, uh, about four years as a child. Yeah. Went <laughs> back, years. went back last year for the first time in like 30 years. Cause like the Virginia Miami game. And while I was in Charlottesville, my statistician and I said, hey, let's make a day trip to D.C. Went up to D.C., and it was deja vu. It was all the things I saw as a kid. Uh, we did the monument. We did, um, obviously, the White House. We did, uh, uh, what's, let's sound like an idiot here, the Abraham Lincoln um, building with the Memorial? statue in front. The, the Lincoln the Memorial. Memorial, thank you. I don't think they've torn that down yet. I don't know. I have to. I have to double check. I, since I was there last year, I think it's still standing. Um, and uh, no, it's, it's beautiful. But can't, and went and went to where I used to live as a kid, where we used to play football, tackle football. Back then, kids played tackle football. Uh, and then you went home, and you were injured and bloody. And and mom said, "Well, go do it again." Yeah, we were we were different then. Um, <laughs> but we play in the leaves in the fall, and then we play in the snow in the winter, and then we played in the heat in the summer. Like we we just we played year round. It was awesome. Used to go to Redskin games back when they were really good, and Washington Federal games. A little USFL knowledge. Saw Herschel Walker on the first play. Doug Flutie on a toss sweep, right side, raced down the field eighty yards in my first Washington Federal New Jersey General game. Anyway. That's uh, memory lane. But the reason why I picked lovely Bridgeforth Stadium in Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania, I almost did it again, Jason, in Harrisburg, Virginia, <laughs> is because the Dukes are 6-0. and They play in the Sun Belt now. And, of course, they're not eligible for a bowl game because they have a two-year period where they can't play in any postseason because they're transitioning, not the kind that we hear about in today's news. Um, no surgery involved here. They're just transitioning from – one double A to FBS, uh, which is a crime. They should be there. Gary Clark, former Redskin, played for JMU. Charles Haley, crazy oh, but good, yeah, played yeah. for JMU. Yeah. Beautiful oh, backdrop. And they've been playing uh, football since the 70s, I think I read. That stadium yeah, seats about 25,000. Nice and cozy. Nice ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was Charleston Southern for a minute, but I was, I was wrong. 
All right. Yeah, um, the, mount, the mountains of Charleston give that away in January. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, was, that's was, what, was I, that the Orangeburg Range. That's the oh, that's no, you're right. That's more like South Carolina State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Bro, yeah. JC with a zinger right off the bat. Ah, well, did I'm you miss? Kidding. You missed me a minute ago. I said wrong answers only. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, well, then my bad. Okay. okay. My bad. Well, there you go. Like, also, that's Southern like, didn't see twenty five hundred. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they're getting twenty five thousand out of Charleston. I, I, I think. I think Coach Barber, Mike, you know Jeff, uh, very well. A, just, just an outstanding human being. Awesome, awesome uh, dude. What a, what a, one of the best guys you could imagine. He's, was the AD at Liberty, who's yes, also undefeated. Yes, as a matter of fact, I think he's he's boy, he's got an uphill climb down there at CSU. It's a, it's tough. tough not, not quite the funding that Liberty has. Uh, Liberty's no. got a lot of money. A lot of money, yeah. Not not necessarily at Charleston Southern. All right, um, Mike. Uh, well, <laughs> where do you want to start, boys? Uh, well, so Florida beat the Gamecocks Friday. It was uh, Saturday, yeah. whatever. Doesn't matter. It was forty-one to thirty-nine. Final score. Uh, Carolina uh, came up with a two-point conversion late, and then discovered they needed to actually score two of those, or they would lose, and they did. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I look before we move. We get we'll we'll get a, 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 a from you a bird's eye view at all of the SEC uh, today on the program. We do have, by the way, uh, Brad Crawford is going to join us at one too, Mike. Uh, so he'll be a part of our little posse, if that's what you want to call it. Um, but uh, look, the Gamecocks. You know, Mike, I, I'm I'm trying to just be real here, right? Because fans just have no interest in everything's okay. Because they're right. two and four, and they, right, right. I, I don't, I, hey, I don't blame them. You know, I, I, I see, um, I see all sides of of this. I think that that's our job is to see all sides of everything. You know, there's, there's one side that says this was very possible, and it was very possible that they could be two and four or even one and five. Um, it was also very possible that they could be three and three, four and two. Somewhere in there, if not even better, after the first six games of the year. Uh, this is a program last year that uh, what they did at the end of the year gave a lot of hope to the fan base um, and gave them some expectations, whether they were realistic, unrealistic, or somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter. They were still there coming into the year. And now you look up halfway through at two and four with back-to-back road games where you have had very limited success over the years, upcoming. So people were staring two and six in the face. At least that's the way it looks. It might not be that way. Uh, this would be a totally different conversation in two weeks if they're four and four instead of two and four. But they're two and four right now, staring two and six in the face. So, Mike, you're really good at this. Give the Garnet and Black faithful a reason to see it otherwise. Well, let, let's start. You know, J.C. and I used to do a segment on uh, J.C. and Morgan called Hits and Misses. Um, so here, here are my hits. I, I told you guys all week this was going to be a down-of-the-wire fourth-quarter game. The, the whole notion, and I realize, like, there's, a, there's a, a genuine amount of homerism, whatever you want to call it, on a lot of shows out there in coverage. And, and there was a little bit of a groundswell of, oh, we should beat these guys. Like, no, you, you shouldn't. You, it'd be great to beat them, and you certainly are capable of beating them. The the word should, I don't know if really applies here, because I really think that there's not that great deal of separation 
between Florida, Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri. I mean, I've talked about this all year. It's it's this bucket with Georgia and Bama, and then there's this bucket, which the Gamecocks are in, and it's how do you do on these three swing games, and now you're 0-1, and you still got Missouri uh, and Kentucky. And by the way, I'm not forgetting about Texas A&M. I don't like that matchup. We'll talk about that when we get there. So you could call that a swing game. Um, I just I'm not wild about that matchup for you, for a number of reasons. For Carolina, you're saying you for Carolina, like yeah. Okay. I, I think that's going to be really tough on the road. Um, we'll get. Doesn't there. mean it's not winnable. It's certainly winnable. It 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 it's certainly winnable. Um, but anyway, the 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 thing that first off the 39 points, man. If you would have told me you're getting 31 39 points, I'm taking that every day of the week. Spencer Rattler continues to be great. I thought the play calling was was great. I uh, remember on the uh, Fab Five, the fifth question was, or the tiebreaker, I should say, was receptions by Gamecocks not named Xavier Leggett. Uh, and I think the answer was 15 of them, because Leggett only caught five. And 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 um, the or maybe it was 18. I think Rattler had 23 receptions. Completions, rather. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they threw it all around. They got other people involved. They got creative with things. Um, you know, for all the worry about a new offensive coordinator, I'm I'm all on Team Loggins. I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. We already knew Spencer is special. Uh, really would love to see Juice Wells out there, but he's not. Nothing you can do about it. Defensively is obviously where the issue is, and I'm sure that's been talked about uh, ad nauseum already. It'll continue to be talked about. We, we actually haven't talked about it at all. Um, well, maybe yesterday's show. You had to have addressed it yesterday. We, we, yeah. we, we, a little sarcasm. I got on. you. I got you. Um, the, the thing is, I, don't think like, the I, I could have even lived with a lot of the stuff that happened leading up. It, it, some games have a an identity of their own, and, and all of a sudden that kind of turned into a shootout of, of sorts where a, a lot of times uh, regular stats and logic doesn't apply. I mean, I don't, if Florida loses that game, which they're more than capable of, this, the discussion is, number one, where the hell was the defense? And number two, on fourth down and 11, why are you throwing a, a pass in the flat two yards behind the sticks where all a Carolina defender has to do is either make a tackle or slow them up enough to, to get help? And ball game. You went, that, that's ball game. The other thing is, and JC can attest to this as I'm watching it live on that final drive, I texted him, I don't know, three times. It's going to Pearsall. It's going to Pearsall. It's going to Pearsall. And they never did anything. You don't want a 6-3 safety, corner, nickel, whatever you want to call him. On a guy, Pearsall's probably about six foot, and this is the other hit. I told you, like that's, the, that's their number one receiver guy. They got some young guys with stars next to them that haven't done much in Gainesville. But Pearsall was the guy. He's one of the best receivers in the league. He's going to be in the NFL, probably a second or third round draft pick. He's probably about six feet, and you put a six three guy on him, he's going to twist your, he's going to snap your ankles in half. It was a simple little skinny post, fake the corner, go to the post. There's no help there, none. So that's the one where, like, if you, even if you give up a lot of points and you win that game 41 39 as opposed to lose it, you're not even talking about that. But you, on that last drive, there's, on the last two drives, there's a couple things that are inexcusable. Fourth and 11, fourth and 10, and then not doing a better job of scheming Pearsall. Because while Pearsall is really good, if I'll take my chances, put two guys over there on him, and let somebody else beat me on the outside. So, you know, Mertz has been playing good football all year long, and, and Pearsall's Pearsall. But you did everything right offensively, and you did enough to win the game. 
for 55 minutes, and then it's just incredibly disappointing to lose a game uh, in that aspect. Moving forward, uh, look, if you go back and you you finally take the hex off the Missouri series and win this one in Como when everybody is loving uh, Missouri football, they're getting as much attention as they've gotten in about a decade, then maybe some of this bitter pill is forgotten. But you, you've got to win at least one of the next two. It's Missouri and Kentucky. And if you don't, and again, I'm, I'm glossing over A&M, I realize that. Uh, if you don't, now it's it's going to be really disappointing because that's that's a that's a really big hole to uh, to dig out of. One last thing, I got to say this. No. This show, I'm not just saying this because I'm uh, privileged to be on it. Uh, the numbers are there, Jamie. You and I have done sports talk radio for a while. Uh, I know what the metrics are. They're a lot easier to gauge than when I was doing sports talk radio, say, in Columbia, where we were number one for much of the time, but it was Arbitron. People fill out diaries, and it's really not a hard number. To to educate everybody on the way things are now judged, we have hard numbers on how many people watch this show. The 10,000-plus that tune in every day that watch it on YouTube, that listen to it on Spotify. Uh, I dare say there's not a show that has more listeners and followers uh, in, the, in the state of South Carolina. And there's some talented people. That's not a knock on them. It's just this has been um, – this has gone very well, let's just say, right? And got a lot of intelligent people working on this thing. I don't include myself in that. I'm talking about you three. Um <laughs> We could be that guy, okay? <laughs> if, if if we wanted to pick up like a thousand extra impressions every after every Gamecock loss, oh, we could just go really on. Died. We could. I didn't want to put myself in that in that group again. I'm in the other Man, bucket. Y'all, y'all you are guys smart. are the brains. I'm an idiot. I'm just talent. I just show up and try not to screw this thing up. That's all I do. We could gain. Here's my point: as as popular and as as You're great as this, all of us, you know, <laughs> as great as this show has become in a short amount of time. Again, all credit to you three. If you wanted to pick up another thousand impressions or likes on social media, one of us could just go on here after every loss, just go fire this guy, fire that guy, fire the time has come, enough of this crap. You want to be that guy? You can do it. And my nickname can, is Mad Dog. <laughs> it's going to be Phil. I'm telling you, Phil's the calmest right, yeah. one of the bunch. But it, at any moment, that could click. He could <laughs> he could snap. I I've seen this kind of guy before. Yeah, he's uh, this guy threw his own kid in a father son game. That's right. <laughs> when he when he sneezes, uh, we could do all Bob Euchre. but but that's just there's there's nothing constructive about that, and there's nothing. I, I mean. To say that if you're if you're one of these that Shane Beamer should be on the hot seat or fired, um, I, I have no time for you. I have no time for that nonsense. It's just ridiculous. It's not because I know Shane or we're drinking buddies or anything like that. It's just it's just absolutely insane talk. And I could say, cite a, a million reasons why, but I won't. Um, but but that's just that's not where this program is. It's a it's a tough loss. It sucks. I get it. It sucks to lose that way. You think in the years that I hosted the post game show and taking 
live drunk calls at about 1130 at night after tough losses at williams Bryce oh. Stadium or on the road against this or that or after Clemson at the, the Willie Gard- Rod Gardner push-off or whatever. And you were you th- drunk answering those calls. That's right. Uh, I wanted to be. Technically, I wasn't. You have to be doing that, right? You, you, I wish. I, 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 I mentally prepared I was drunk and, and just convinced myself that I was drunk to get through it. Then I actually got drunk after we signed off. Um, <laughs> but this is not like the first time the Gamecocks have lost a heartbreaking game. It's disappointing. I get it. But this oh. was not This was not the kind of game that, like, oh, you've you got to be this Florida team because clearly we're superior. No. Neither is Missouri or Kentucky. Like, these were swing games for a reason. And very often swing games come down to making plays down the stretch. Florida made them. Carolina didn't. It sucks. You move on, and you keep going as as planned, and you keep recruiting well, and you get more and more talent, which clearly that defense could use it. Uh, Will coaching changes be made? Probably. Everybody else makes them. Coordinators are hired to be fired. Like, that happens all the time. You find me a coach – and the SEC has been around for a few years that hasn't fired a coordinator, and I'll show you a unicorn. It happens. So you don't always get those right. They don't always work right. Um, but to just fly off the handle, you can't do this every time to yourself. <laughs> every time Carolina loses a game and you just immediately go into bat bleep crazy mode and everything has to be destroyed and everything sucks and I'm not going to give a donation. Like None of that really it, – it, it's not healthy and it doesn't make any sense. It is, it is, there's nothing productive about that. Uh, it the Again, and in terms of the actual play on the field, I, I told you what I thought the difference was, and you'd love to have that back. You really would love to have that back. But this is not a team like I've covered Gamecock teams that commit just an insane amount of stupid penalties. They turn the ball all over the place. They look disorganized. None of that is the case with this team. None of that. And – they haven't lost a game that they really, quote-unquote, should have won, like double-digit favorite, clearly superior in talent. That's not been the Shane Beamer legacy. They've lost some of these games, and then they've won some of these games, and then they pulled off two top-ten upsets, which is more than most coaches have done in Columbia in a while. So forgive me if I'm not completely sky is falling right now. I think too, Mike, and it's well said. And and I I want to revert back to something that I mentioned earlier, and then tack on a little bit to that. And then we do need to. <clears throat> I'm going to say this. We'll slide to a break afterwards because we got to get one in. We're we're due for one. And then, uh, Mike, when we get back, I'll let you. Did I just break my damn pen? You got to be freaking kidding me! Hey, when that happens, oh this my is God. my Car- this is my Carolina Rise pen, and the top came off. Dude, JC the, will get um, you another one. Those are the best pens. Yeah. I have a hundred of them. Oh, okay. Well, if you don't mind, um, I bought a thousand of them, so I've got a hundred left. Just, just, just send me as many as you can because it's my favorite one. It fits my fat fingers. So I got um, got one. I got mine too in my hand right now. (laughs) I I have the pen, but I lost the. These are some damn good pens for like fifteen cents a piece, man. See, I got got mine right here. This is fantastic. I, Mike, I mentioned earlier, uh, because I understand all angles of this, I don't think it's any secret. People know who I pull for, and and I gladly will say that. But also, we have a job to do around here. And, um, and you know, so I understand where people are coming from. I mentioned earlier, uh, prior to you getting on, uh, that, um, you know, fans are – they we can sit here and utilize the friends of our, of our program, um, the friends of – they are personal friends, but the friends of Gamecock football, the guys like Pat DeMarco, Michael Flint, and and Perry Orth, although I'd put 
Perry and, and Pat up there at 1A and 1B, and I put Mike way the hell down there because I don't trust him. No, I'm just kidding. I love Mike. That's my boy. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we have these guys come on, and they and they, they talk X's and O's because we want to – we really try to make sure that we provide that to our audience. They deserve it. Uh, that's what this is all about, educating people, um, understanding what we're seeing out there, and, and do it during baseball season and basketball and so on and so forth. Um, but I think that fans are, are a little bit uh, angry and tired of the – X's and O's, they they don't care about hearing it anymore. They're tired of looking at, on the TV week in and week out, it feels like, around here, and seeing so-and-so had a career high today. So-and-so had a career high today. Right. So-and-so had a career high today. It's happened every damn week, it seems like, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's not just this year. It goes back to last year and prior to that, and I understand why people are very, 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 very frustrated uh, because it, it, it can feel like you're in your own little bubble when you see that from time, you know, as often as you do. Are we the only program that this happens to around here? No, but it feels that way. And I understand the loneliness of that feeling. I also understand this. It's a different game and it's a different world uh, because there is a fear in every fan base, Mike, and you'll know exactly what I'm, when I'm, what I'm saying here when I, when I uh, complete my sentence. That when it all kind of starts, you know, going that way, it's it's just not really, you know, and and we we see it, guys transfer. Well, we see what happens when guys transfer. Would have been nice to have Marshawn Lloyd around here, huh? Would have been nice to have Jaheim Bell Jordan around here. Would have been nice to have Jordan Birch around here. Would have been nice to have Gilbert Edmond around here. You know, it, you, so you, there's you're already fearful of losing players, and you're a lot more fear, fearful of losing players when you're losing football games. And so, like, I understand why fan bases, and and I'll just speak specific to this one because this is our program, I understand why they are on edge. I get it because there is the fear of, like, we'll never be able to get over the hump. There is too much going against us now that we can't win on the field. All these other things are are not going to correlate. It's just not going to work. But, as you just pointed out, there is another side of that coin. Whereas, you know, the, the the world will spin. Time will move on. You will bring players in from the transfer portal, too. Some of them might be better than the ones you lose. And so on and so forth. So it's great perspective. I want to end that, my part of it there, so we can step aside for a conversation. Can I just say one thing on that? On the, on, the, yeah. Yeah. on the defensive side, I know. Uh, the, the, div- the last two years were, in a way, uh, disguised by the fact two things. Number one, you had like a first round shutdown corner, you know, that, that helps. Right. Mm-hmm. Number two, you're like leading the league in turn in, in takeaways. And obviously this year you're not right. Phil Steele, we all have had him on our shows and respect. He always has a great perspective on that turnovers. And I've talked to a number of defensive coordinators about this. Like what's your secret to getting turnovers? Why aren't you forcing more turnovers? You, they all teach the same drills in practice, okay? You know, group group tackle, try to tear it away, blah, blah, At the end of the day, turnover and turnover margin tends to equal out over time. You don't see teams lead the, the SEC in takeaways like 10 straight years. It, it, it doesn't work out that way. So the fact that they were so good in that department the last couple of years, and clearly they're not good at all in that department, 
what are, what are they doing differently? I'm not sure if they're doing anything differently as much as those things tend to even out over time. And when they even out over time and you're not getting takeaways and you're not a very good defensive football team to begin with, now it's further exposed. It sheds a spotlight on just how vulnerable you are on that side of the ball. There's no question. There's, there's, uh, there is no question. I, uh, who, who's everybody talking about here? A radio upstate radio host in the upstate. And by the way, Except just on that, I'm not talking about anybody specifically. I don't listen to any other show, so I don't know who I don't know who or really oh, no. care who that is. But I know it's out there because I I yeah. hear different things. I know that type of sentiment is out there, and I also know what people do in our position if they feel like, how am I going to get more listeners? How am I going to get more clicks? Well, if I just spout off and you know, every time we lose a game, there was a guy in Columbia that used to do that. Like his show was it, it was kind of buried in the depth chart. And while everybody else was being polite about the criticism of Dave Odom, he was like, oh, this guy's an idiot. We got to fire him. And, and like that in his way, that was his way of trying to get more success. Um, so I know I know how that game is played. But so I'm speaking. It's almost like a composite character, to use a Hollywood term. Sure. It's not one. It's not one guy in, in particular. It could be five. I don't know. Um, but I know it's out there. And I know uh, that that's an easy way to just get people that are pissed off after a brutal loss to just go, yeah, I need to hear more of that. We could do that. We could just have Mad Dog just go nuts. Mad Every dog. time Carolina loses the game, Mad Dog, your job on Monday at 11, from 11 to 11.30, it's just going to be a 30-minute diatribe, and I want you to tell everybody how everything sucks and how everybody should be fired and how you're not giving any more money and that the you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore. And we'll do that. For 30 minutes, that'll be the Mad Dog segment. And we'll all just kind of pound our chest like, yeah, we're telling it like it is. Okay, yeah, sure. That's right. Yeah, I took that loss out of my life because it was right. so bad. But do it again if we don't get rid of Shane Beamer. I'm ready. Let's go. No. See, it's in there. <laughs> I told you. that. that I, $40. I spent $40 on a ticket <laughs> to go down to <laughs> Columbia. Cancel my ticket. So that was a big thing on the on the post game show. I paid twenty five dollars a piece to watch this crap. Yeah, no, Spent yeah, the eight ninety nine for the Bojangles biscuits and chicken, and got me a gallon of tea and my vodka and whiskey. And drunker than a monkey's uncle, and lo and behold, thought we'd won. So got we up would, there, went to have me a chew on them ramp, and looked back and then we lost. That's We'd right. have one of those. I my, my forty dollars back. Book and mailed it straight to hey. right. I'm All right, straight to right I'm, I'm making an executive decision here. We need, we need more like Phyllis from, for like old Fine Bomb Phyllis. <laughs> Nick Saban is a better man than you, Paul. Oh, got a good Roll break, time. everybody. More of this when we get back on Inside the Gamecocks. The show. <laughs> break, Phil. <laughs> Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil are crafted by Southern hands and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company. 
where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. It is time. I have wanted to, since I first heard this song in 2006, this is one of my favorite songs, if not my favorite song ever, I've wanted to open a bar called the Cross-Eyed Cricket Water Hall. Oh. I like that. Just zoom me up. This is where, right? What are we talking about? All right, anyway, JC, I swear, every time we play this song, we need to wave our American flags, tip our caps. What, you know, you got to do all the what, things you do at the Chief Show. What song is it? Is it, uh, is it the Pledge of Allegiance to the Hag? Yeah, yeah, man. When I was Mike's neighbor, <laughs> he heard that many times. Oh, yeah. Coming off the old porch. <laughs> it's four in the you morning. Te- text middle of the day. Nah, middle of the day, dude, which makes it worse. Uh, hey, man. It's a little loud. Yeah. <laughs> I had this cannon of a dang speaker too, man. That was, I was just like, just go. And it was, of course, a lot of Eric Church during that period of my life. But man, oh man. Sherb Nation makes his presence known. Let's just say that. He didn't get cheated. I am, I did you give him a 12 pack and a, a powerful Bluetooth speaker and. I'm, all, it's, I'm happy as a pig in slop, man. Pig in slop. I am and, just and everybody literally. knows living his best life. <laughs> living my uh, best the old, life. The old pig. Guys, I don't know who Mark Ryan is. All right, let me just tell you this about him. Okay. He's a well, shot I don't jock. know who he is. I, I don't know who I, he I, is. I've known it. I mean, I, I know him a little bit. I don't go on his show anymore. I don't particularly like him anymore. My sarcasm here. Yeah, I know. We don't know who he is, so we, we can't. We don't know who he is. I so honestly. Friday the 13th. You don't know who he is. No, it's not. I, I, I don't Halloween. I don't speak Halloween. old people. I don't know who they are. So I'm just not. Now, look, say. let me just say Shock Jock, he's a huge Florida fan, doesn't hide it. Okay. And and not lying about like that, like some 
other former upstate radio personalities used to, to hide the fact they're Clemson people. Um, says a lot of crap about Carolina that's not true. Uh, got into it with Shane Beamer personally. Shane went after him because he lied about the Garrett Riley thing. Uh, you know, and it just wasn't true. Shane never went after Garrett Riley. I don't care what you rumors you may have read on our message board or whatever. And I did not confirm that till after the fact, but that was true. Uh, Spencer Rattler wasn't coming back to play for Garrett Riley. He couldn't play for Lincoln Riley. Why was he going to come back and play for Garrett Riley? And and they needed somebody that, that, you know, Spencer would come back. Dowell was really the only guy he interviewed. It turned out to be a good hire, right? So he went off, Beamer went off on him on that. So hmm. the fact his team pulled out, put one out of their butt and beat the Gamecocks makes him feel good. So now he's decided he's going to go after Shane Beamer. But guess what, guys? It's personal, right? You know, it's kind of like me and Chuck Reedy. Hmm. Y'all remember Chuck Reedy? Oh, yeah. You know how much hmm. I don't like him? You know, no. <laughs> Because literally he got in my face one night when I was working for ESPN when I had permission from his assistant coach to interview Brandon Shell, and he threatened to fight me because I was interviewing Brandon Shell without his permission. I said, your assistant coach just told me I could. I'm sorry. You know, so I called his principal and everything else demanding oh. an apology for that, for that guy. And so I love to point out the fact he was an abysmal failure the last year of the Brad Scott era and couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag when he was at Baylor. And I do that well, because Mike. it's personal. But Chuck Mike. Reedy doesn't coach here anymore. Okay, he, he's not coaching at Clemson. I'm not sitting there bashing him every day to my audience like this guy is. So I'm just telling you what he's saying is very, very personal in nature. That's unprofessional. And I'll, I'll admit it. I'm unprofessional when it comes to Chuck Reedy because he's unprofessional to me. Eye for an eye. I'm an Old Testament guy. Okay. But Mark Ryan has turned himself into a, a gigantic clown by doing this. You know, and, and, and I used to, I, I went on a show. He was in Florida somewhere. I was on a show all the time talking recruiting. He was in Houston, Texas. On his show talking recruiting, they hired him for that job, took my spot, believe it or not. <laughs> How about that? What a trade that was for all you upstate listeners. Um, and he's just completely gone off the rails when it comes to South Carolina. Uh, you know, and, and any little thing he can latch on to that makes the Gamecocks look negative is going to stir everybody up. He's, he's going to, especially when it comes to Shane, because Shane completely embarrassed him on Twitter one day. It's petty, it's immature, it sucks, but that's the way he is, that's the way he rolls, and that's what it's all about. You guys want to know why he always takes shots at Beamer, and he's going to. It's very, very personal because he got his little feelings hurt, and he got called out for something that wasn't true because he doesn't have information, he doesn't have sources, he doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground when it comes to this particular program, and he got called out on it. You know, And I can't say I wouldn't be embarrassed just like him, but I'd be damned if I'd keep acting like that especially if I were in his position. I'm not going to talk about him anymore. Well, Mike, uh, I had us all lined up with a nice partnership here with all the comeback shacks, which are owned by Chuck Reedy, but that seems to be out the window. <laughs> so I guess we won't be having them pay any advertising dollars moving forward. Dude, I'd block that. I'll uh, take money out. I'll take money out of my pocket to block that one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, but, hey, but, but if, I, if, I, if I were like Mark, Mark Ryan – I'd go after his shacks, you know. I'd be like, don't eat there. It's terrible. Somebody got food poisoning. I don't do oh. stuff. I would never – I wouldn't mess with a man's livelihood like that. That's my mind. I would never mess with a man's livelihood over something so petty. But Mark Ryan sure as hell will, won't he? So just think about that. Think about there's a very personal reason why this guy acts like a clown when it comes to Carolina. Well, here's the good news uh, for those, and again, I don't know who this guy is, but 
for those of you in the upstate that apparently don't like the local guy, you can just download our app, and it's very simple. And you get whatever you want every day mm-hmm. uh, between our program and JC and Morgan and Sports Talk and soon to be much, much more. Mike, uh, Brad Crawford will be joining us here in 20 minutes. Um, and I know we need to uh, take a drive around. A, excuse me. We'll do that um, one thirty ish. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good. I know we need to take a love Chevy drive around the SEC. Absolutely. We'll speaking um, of Mark, get Mark right Ryan, in the blazer and drive it. Add but Brad I, Crawford to the list of people who have owned him on things too. Brad, yeah. Brad had a run with him a lot. Brad will be showing up here soon. Uh, he, Nineteen minutes we get Brad, but um, all the teams that don't play in the SEC though, uh, Mike, they play in other leagues called like the Pac-12, there's this thing out there they call the Big Ten and all this, that, and the other. Oregon and Washington this weekend, Oregon Falls, 36-33 to um, against the Huskies. And I don't think they're going anywhere. That loss, I don't think, impacts anything for them this year. What say you? Well, that is a that is a 90-degree turn, uh, Jamie. Very nice on uh... – traversing your way through that <laughs> that foliage um yeah i that was the game of the week um nationally and lived up to every bit of it and i it's it's one rivalry i haven't had a chance to to see in person i would love to do it um Penix is right now your Heisman leader hmm. he's been terrific i think they have the best trio of wide receivers in the country and as you as you saw Against Oregon, Oregon, obviously, like people always say when they say the pack has no defense, well, but Oregon, well, but Utah. Oregon's got a good defense, and Dan Lane's a good defensive coach, but even they couldn't slow down Washington for much of that game. And then you combine it with Dan Lanning going for going for it on fourth down and short three times in that game when it was completely unnecessary. To his credit, he said, that's on me, and it really was in a lot of ways. Uh, but, no, I mean, they're – Two very good teams, but there's only one from the pack that's going to have a chance to get to the playoff, and that's now Washington. I don't think there's anybody else from that league that really is going to be able to to, to find their way back in. Um, I mean, there's a lot of craziness going on this year. Like, this has a chance to be a unique year. As much as we talk about how everything has gotten a little dry in terms of the, the same blood in the playoff and in the title game, uh, we got a chance to have some new blood. Now they're familiar names, right? They're not; these aren't true dark horse teams. But but it is going to be kind of the resurgence of traditionally good programs that fell into obscurity for whatever reason, minus Georgia. And, and we'll talk about this more in the Love Chevy Drive around the SEC. Georgia losing Brock Bowers. When you look at the rest of that schedule, and I don't think Brock Bowers is this kind of kid. But if he did opt out, that would be very 2023 of him to do it. And I'm here to tell you, Georgia's not winning another national title if Brock Bowers doesn't come back. I don't see that, though. I don't, I don't see it either. I don't see it either. I think he does come back. But he's going to be gone at least a month. And they've got some brutal – their their schedule was clearly backloaded. I mean, mm-hmm. take a look at what they've got left. It's mm-hmm. they got some losable yeah. games out there. They can't sleepwalk through the first half and win all those games. That Georgia Tech game, man. Nah, I'm not putting that one in there. By the way, I, 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 speaking, you you mentioned that you mentioned the um, parody. I guess we'll call it at, the, at least at the top. You know, there's probably there's, uh, there's there's more diversity. Parody is almost like it's like calling a quarterback a game manager. 
it's kind of well, a dig. There's a, I wouldn't say parody as much as I would say diversity. Okay, let's say this. There's a lar- there's a large pool of of playoff contenders right now compared to where there usually is. Larger than year. normal, yes. Absolutely. absolutely. Okay, and so one of the things that I, I found noticing in the AP this week, five teams got votes for, the, for number one, Mike. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, and Washington. All right? And I, and I like seeing that. I like seeing that. Um, soon the AP won't matter. But it is neat to see that five teams are receiving votes for being the best team in the country because that tells you that there's not one best team in the country. I think a lot of the 43 votes that, that the dogs got this week are, are – I'm not saying they're not deserved. Uh, they, they are, of, and I think they are number one. But I, I think that there are also a lot of those 43 votes that put them in that spot are voting them there just because they've been voting them there and they haven't lost yet. That's right. There are some, there are some other people looking around going, you know, I, I don't know. Michigan might be better. Hey, Washington might have the best win in college football. Who has the best win in college football? Is it Oklahoma? Is it Washington? They both have outstanding top 10 wins right now. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. So They're it, right it up is, there. It's a neat conversation to be having six, seven games into the year. I, I think it's wonderful for the sport. Uh, agreed. I think this is this is a is shaping up to be. Doesn't mean it's going to be. It's shaping up to be a bit of a refresher compared to what we've seen in recent years. I mean, the closest thing we had to something different was TCU, and they got beat by about a thousand points in the title game. And I don't think we're going to see another TCU type team have that kind of run for a while. Keep in mind they didn't even win the Big Twelve. Um, but but this year, you know, you've got Florida State having a, a resurgence, Oklahoma a resurgence. I mean, even though Texas lost Oklahoma, they still have had a resurgence. Washington and Oregon, you talked about. Think about this, guys. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, it's like a round robin. And, 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 and the home, if you just go by the home team is the favorite, right? Because there's not much separation between those three. The home team's going to be favored. You could very well be staring at a three-way tie between those three programs to play Iowa in the title game. And I don't ask him what the tiebreaker is because I don't know. Um, but that's – the Big Ten has basically been – we've got a big uh, Michigan fan that listens to J.C. and Morgan and is always uh, emailing us and chatting with us. From Michigan? Like lives in Michigan? From Michigan, lives in Atlanta now. Oh, okay. But a huge, yeah. as big a Wolverine Wolverine fan as uh, as I know, uh, and I've known a few. My uh, my high school quarterback for two years was Remy Hamilton, who kicked the game winning field goal to beat Lou Holtz in Notre Dame back in the mid nineties. Yeah. But that's a whole other story. My mom, my mom went to Michigan. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. she's originally from outside of Detroit. My dad, they're all from here. But oh, you got ties to here. Wyoming. You got ties to Michigan. Yeah. You are a we're very you're diverse. A, you're like yeah. the Dosecki guy. Um, and I pull but, for the team that you know consistently just can't win. I don't know why I don't pull, just pull for Michigan to make this thing a lot easier. But uh, well, the point is, a, Michigan hadn't played anybody as good as they are. Like the Big Ten has been just dry as heck for for all the uh, played Carolina schedule. I know that nobody's played well, Carolina schedule. Probably I mean, Ohio State actually. had the win over Notre Dame. Fantastic. Michigan hadn't played anybody. What has Penn State done? Have they played anybody? I mean, well, they will this weekend. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's finally, it's finally getting interesting. It's the Big Ten is. It's been a, a catnap for the better part of six weeks in the college football season, and now it's like, oh, okay, now we have matchups worth watching. Now we can actually see who is the best 
amongst those three heavyweights because I can't watch Iowa Wisconsin. I mean, I, that is I'd rather be in a Turkish prison for a week. So give me give me some of what's coming up. Now I'm in. Now now you got me engaged. Uh, and so to add to your point, if Penn State actually finally does what they should do at some point, which is beat one of those two teams, well now Penn State starts to be that resurgent program as well added to the list. And then you have North Carolina. It's clearly their best team in decades for Mac Brown. Um, you know, you, you've got Missouri playing the best football they've they played in, in a while. Um, uh, you know, we talked about Oklahoma. You know, you've got really good stories that are under the radar because they're not going to be in the playoff like Oregon State. Um You've got some good Duke. You've got some good stuff out there. It's it's been a, it's been an exciting year nationally speaking. I think it's been a good year for college football. I wish we had the twelve team playoff this year. I wish we could get in the uh, uh, go warp speed and and just fast forward a year and do that. But we're not. We're going to be in four, and it's unfortunate because I think a twelve team playoff this would be the perfect year to debut it. Maybe absolutely. Yeah, Maybe. yeah. I mean, you're seven weeks in. You could legitimately have the champion from all power five teams at the end of the year undefeated with one of them left out. You could also have a situation where you would have like more than 12, one loss teams <laughs> yeah, and nobody undefeated. I mean, it really is like it, 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 this, either the schedules have been front loaded and a lot of them have, I mean, you know, back loaded and a lot of them have for some of these bigger teams, but at this point it's, I mean, you know, it, there are it many sets, paths here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It sets up for an incredible November. It really yeah. does. It sets up for an incredible November. And just to, just to go back to Georgia for a second, uh, Florida right now looks like a game that they actually might have to sweat out. Mizzou, who gave them yeah. problems last year, Ole Miss. They don't play each other very often. They will be in Athens, but that's a that's a losable game, especially with no Brock Bowers. In Knoxville, November the 18th. Don't think Brock's going to be back by then. And then they'll they'll wipe the floor with Tech. But I, I, I think ooh, that's – I, I promise you, they'll wipe the floor. <laughs> Don't forget, Georgia Tech lost to Bowling Green, okay? Yeah, but they Georgia beat Tech, mighty Miami. They beat Miami because Miami doesn't know how to <laughs> you know how to take a knee. <laughs> it's just like so stupid. Hey, that one could be. It was it was closer last year in the first quarter. So tech, yeah, I, tech look, was like seven nothing. They, I think they actually took the lead early. In I am taking all bets. If somebody wants to bet me Georgia Tech on the money line, let let's no. go. I'll give you great <laughs> no. odds. How about how about new, Mike? How about new? How about new? Uh, so about does new? does Georgia? Do they finish the year undefeated? The, the regular season. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if Bowers is out for all those games, like if if you were to give me a parlay on those four, where it's Georgia four and zero or one loss, one loss. I think, I think that's like a fifty fifty prop in Vegas. Honestly, well, I say, well I, he, he the thing about Brock Bowers is like think about the Auburn game. They were sort of they, they were on the ropes a bit against the, the Auburn Tigers. Um, fell down. They're behind. They needed to pull it out late. Who'd they go to? Brock Bowers. Even against South Carolina late when they're trying to salt it away, no who'd doubt. they go to? Brock Bowers. That's their go-to guy. So what it's going to take is, now, Now you know, if they roll over like they, they, they rolled over Kentucky, it's not going to matter because it's not going to be a fourth-quarter game. Somebody gets them in a fourth-quarter game, butts are going to start getting tight. 
because Georgia's not used to playing games close. Um, you know, and and they're not going to have their go-to guy. That's right. And that's that's when teams get beat, guys. I mean, that's when they they probably beat. lose the Auburn game without Brock Bowers. I mean, mm-hmm. he had over a hundred yards receiving in the fourth quarter alone. Yeah. And did they lose the Carolina game without Brock Bowers? Yeah. I don't know. I mean. I... Let's, come on, JC. Just make everybody feel better. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to make anybody feel any better. Yeah, if you right. would have won if you could have. If Brock Bowers wasn't in the game, they would have won. <laughs> yeah, was... the, the, the legend of Oscar Delp continues. Guys, Oscar Delp is not Brock Bowers. No, no. I mean, and I he had captain, turned captain into a artist, fumble during that Auburn game. There is nobody like Brock Bowers. There's nobody in, like in Brock country, Bowers. In, the, in, Amer- in America. You know how they time guys now. Like the the forty yard dash is almost becoming a relic. Like it'll always be there at combines and stuff. And I remember Kirby telling us at a at a meeting doing one of his games a couple of years ago. I think when Brock was a freshman, and he was talking about his miles per hour. You know when he once he gets yeah, going, they put right? the GPS on the yeah. when they put the GPS. That is how we're now determining not track speed but football speed. Is is what a guy gets to miles per hour in pads in a football game situation. And Brock Bowers in that situation runs faster than the overwhelming majority of wide receivers, little skinny wide receivers in college football. He is a freak. He's an absolute freak. They got on him early. He didn't have a bunch of tape because of COVID. He's in Nap out of Napa, California. I mean, give Kirby and the staff credit. That was not a kid that everybody in the country knew about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wine country, baby. And this, that, and the other. All right, final question for you here, uh, Mr. Mike. For this hour. Who is the, who is the yeah, yeah. Now, we're not kicking you off. You're, you're allowed to stay. Am I, am I in uh, prison? Am I in power hour prison? It's, it's the I'm great Palmetto prison. Medicare power hour presented by the very not handsome Brian Spencer. Not handsome uh, Brian Spencer. Who is the best one-loss team in college football? Um, it's a tough one. A little tricky this year. All right, let me ask you this question. Uh, got... No, no, no. It's not that tricky. It's Bama. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. If I'll say Bama, Alabama. And or- if Bama and Oregon play tomorrow in a neutral site, who are you picking to win that game? Alabama. Are you really? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Oregon can play defense too, you know. They can, but they can. I don't think Alabama gives up 40-something uh, the way they did to to Washington, I don't you, think Penix. You think you think Bo Nix looks across the field? He's like, oh god, not again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, I think yeah. they'd have a thing or two for old Bo, and I love Bo, and I I love the way he's reinvented himself and his career, and he could be a first round draft. Him him and Spencer Rattler could be right be. around the same draft range. Uh, there, I no, think I think people are going to be surprised how many quarterbacks end up going this year in the first round, low second round. There's going to be a there's going to be a lot. Well, the problem for a guy like Spencer is that this is a year it's chock full of quarterbacks. Oh, he so just come th- back another year. I'm sh- well, he's making seven figures. I mean, you could do worse. Sure. And go one more year of college ball, make a couple million, living in Columbia, South Carolina, not not having to pay for a single thing. Like that's not Juice a bad can world. Come- Juice can <laughs> come back too. Yeah. Now it's not going to happen, but uh, we can all think about it. Well, uh, one of I'd these love- things is not like the other. By the way, with that. With that <laughs> JC, yeah. you, get, you got plenty of money. Just, just give Spencer some money. Just tell him to come back. Just give him an NIL deal. It's that easy. Can, can, can Carolina Rise get him $5 million a year? Spencer, <laughs> Spencer has more money than the four of us combined. Yeah, he's doing quite well. I mean, hey, speak he, for yourself. He, he, he's, he's fine. 
He's he's doing real estate. Well, he's really doing good. He's doing really well. So yeah. Spencer's doing really well. But so he, what I'm with, saying is, with Bama. he could slip the second round only because there might be a lot of quarterbacks that already go. Um, I don't yes, think I would, a second round pick this year is a bad thing. So Bama, yeah, not so, uh, as Pat Mahomes. Sometimes it's better to slip and be on a better team with a better coach. Yeah, yeah no, I think I think Alabama would yeah. be the best one loss team today. Now, when those big when that Big Ten round robin happens, Ohio mm-hmm. State, Michigan, Penn State play each other and. Maybe the best one-loss team we'll learn is out of that trio. Might be, yeah. But for now, I'm going Alabama. And Milrow is just good enough. He's not great, but he's just good enough, combined with everything else with Lord Saban, that I'm not going against the evil empire right now. And I say that with all due respect. I'm going with Oregon State. I'm pulling for the Ducks. Not the Ducks, the Beavers, whatever. Hey, they have a <laughs> chance to really don't don't do that over there. Yes, those are fighting words. They they have uh, I know we're at the end of the hour here, but uh, they have they have a chance to really screw things up with Washington and Oregon at the end of the season. By the way, um, Oregon State does. They could win that whole deal out there in case anybody. Didn't. Dude, hey be- hey, nobody wants us. We'll just win this thing in its final year of existence, and then we'll see. The documentary, too, for that Oregon State football season would be – it wouldn't be like NFL films. It would be kind of like a British, um, you know, nature documentary. This is the story of the triumphant beaver. The beaver. It's narrated by David Attenborough. Oh. Is it? Yeah. Going? This yeah. is the story of the triumphant <laughs> beaver. I'm going to go the ahead husky. and rule out something for everybody hoping to see it this year. There will be no beavers Cox bowl game. That sucks. You know that could have happened last year at Carolina not beating uh, Tennessee and Clemson. Oh, man, I wish they would have lost those games. Because who, who was, well, well, look, who went to the Vegas Bowl? <laughs> Florida, 6-6. Six and six. South Carolina, Carolina six beat and six. Tennessee and Clemson at the end of the year. They could have had the Beavers and the Cox in Vegas. What would be better? If I were a petty man, I would have said that. Oh, I wish they hadn't won. I could have gone to Vegas. Watch the Innuendo yeah. Bowl for the first time. Innuendo Bowl. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Brad Crawford's waiting patiently. Hang tight. Hour three inside the Gamecocks, the show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. 
in-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my own. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. Just a crisp, cool, beautiful Tuesday afternoon here in the great state of South Carolina. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live always from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barn Dominion Co. I want to remind everybody once again to come see us live on Friday from 11 to 2 at uh, Palm Casual up there in Somerville, owned by the great Aaron Beasley, one of the great fans of uh, all time, going for South Carolina. But they've got on Sunday the annual warehouse clearance sale. Uh, For those that don't know what Palm Casual is, it is the largest outdoor cushion manufacturer in America, but they are also America's favorite place to shop for wicker seating, teak, cast aluminum, polymer furniture, you name it, 60 to 80% off all the outdoor stuff on Sunday from 7 a.m. until pretty much it's gone. Uh, But we'll be there live on Friday uh, from 11 to 2 and really can't wait. Uh, we'll also uh, be uh, hanging out with Michael Flint. He'll come up and sit in with us. And um, and uh, the leadership and ownership of Chicken Cock Whiskey, Grain and Barrel Spirits, uh, they'll be coming by to see us as well. Uh, so stop in in Somerville, 350 
holiday drive. It is a very, very, very rare event, and you would not believe the quality of stuff that's going to be flying out of there uh, coming up on Sunday. So, all right, um, what the what happened here, Phil? We brought in Brad, and then I don't know. I mean, you see, and Mike have decided (laughs) that they've had enough. Brad, what'd you do, man? I don't know, man. Maybe I got blocked again by somebody on Twitter. I don't know, man. <laughs> What's happened here? Uh, okay. Uh, you never know with those two. I mean, it could be a phone call about whatever or some sort of who knows. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, they might have gotten a call from that uh, that guy, that talk show host everybody's talking about in the upstate that I don't know who he is. Yeah, uh, maybe, JC was bagging on, bagging on him earlier. Maybe he's not happy with him. All right, Brad. What's wrong with the Gamecocks defense? Well, I thought JC nailed it yesterday's show when he said there's no easy fix to this. I mean, you can't really teach fundamentals like tackling, taking the right angles, technique during the season. I mean, you try to, obviously, but it doesn't happen. So you have to sort of make do with what you have. I think the one issue me that, that I have right now is the number of snaps being played by these safeties. I mean, it's difficult to ask guys like DQ Smith and Nick Emanwari to play you know, 75 to 78 snaps a game. Even Worry, if you guys remember, he hurt his hamstring in the opener. And to be honest with you, he hasn't looked like himself in coverage since. And that's something that, that the coaches would obviously know better than, than we would watching the game. But compared to what we saw out of him last season, you know, trying to cover guys, he had been the same player. And if y'all remember too, in August, I said Eamon Worry would be better suited playing outside linebacker on this defense based on the personnel. Now, I didn't realize the depth issues that, South Carolina had in the secondary. We've sort of seen that the last few weeks, but I just think he's a guy who's not always comfortable in coverage. He's elite in run support, led the team in tackles last season, and he should be tracking guys within five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage, not having to cover you know, some of these opposing teams wide receiver one. So one more thing I'll say, too, about this defense is there, there just hasn't been enough difference making plays at the linebacker or cornerback spots. Anytime Clayton White has brought one of those guys extra to the line of scrimmage to, to blitz, it seems like South Carolina has, you know, shown blitz too early and opposing quarterbacks have called it out just about every snap. I thought Graham Mertz did a heck of a job Saturday doing that. So, um, and he ain't the only quarterback who's done that so far against this Gamecock secondary. What's Do you think the Spalding injury is kind of – putting a magnifying glass on all of this, Brad, especially at the nickel position. I mean, because it's essentially, isn't it, why Nick E's there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, David was going to be sort of the utility guy for for this defense, right? And I know a lot of fans and and media alike, you know, have kind of blamed the season's lack of progress defensively on on injuries and and playing a lot of freshmen. But as all three of you guys have, have mentioned on the show this week, it's not a talent issue at South Carolina. You, you might have could have said that maybe earlier during the Beamer's first season or maybe Muschamp's first or second year, but there there's four-star guys back there who just aren't living up to their potential, in my opinion. I think talent development has been sort of an issue, um, but I wouldn't blame it all on scheme. You know, I don't, I don't know how exotic Clayton White can get defensively in these blitz packages, but something has to change because this unit is – not producing takeaways the way it did Clayton White's first two seasons as caller of this defense. And, you know, turnovers just haven't been there this fall for a defense that right now uh, is playing its worst in several years. 
Let me throw something in here real quick. Uh, Eli Hoff, who is a beat reporter for St. Louis Today, uh, just tweeted out a moment ago that was just retweeted by one of our buddies, David Cloninger. Um, Linebacker Chad Bailey uh, is out this week for Missouri against the Gamecocks. Cornerback Enos Rakestraw Jr., he is questionable this week. Uh, Those are two uh, big-time contributors for them. So is running back Cody Schrader. Uh, he is questionable for the game, and that would be uh, – you never hope injury on anybody, but that would certainly be better news for the Gamecocks if they didn't have to prepare for uh, Cody Schrader's had an outstanding year. All right, so what's the solution, Brad? Because there's, uh, if there is one, uh, then there probably are two answers to that. There's got to be a short-term at least attempt to fix the issues, and then there, of course, has got to be a long-term. I'm just going to raise my hand here uh, and say I, I – Look, I know that they're young, and I know that they'd like to be deeper. I'm sorry. They're young at certain spots, sure. and I know that they'd like to be deeper. I, I am not one of the people uh, out there that is saying this team doesn't have talent on the defense. I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not insinuating that you're saying that. That's not what I'm getting at at all. I think there are people going, we just don't have enough talent. I do not think that that is the problem. Um, I, I don't think that they have top-tier talent in the SEC. That does not take away from the fact that they have talent. Top-tier if you're not one of the one or two or three best defensive teams in this league, that's okay. You could yeah. be one of the top six, seven, or eight in this league and be one of the best in the country, you know, being top 30, top 40, top 50 defense. That gets it done around here. Uh, and they're not even remotely close to that. So I think these kids, those who are hammering them from a talent perspective, they don't deserve that. I think they've got talent. And I think they need to figure out what to do with it. But uh, So what's the short-term, in your mind, solution, and, and what is the long-term solution? I think it's more of a confidence issue right now, JB, than it is talent. You know, we remember going back to last season, the first six or seven weeks before Rattler worked himself into a rhythm and played well offensively. Those offensive guys were just discombobulated at times, didn't didn't know where to line up, weren't weren't sure, you know, where the throw was going on the first or second read. And now defensively, you've got guys there's there's been some miscommunication errors in the secondary. There's been a lot of opposing teams putting their best player on islands against Gamecocks, corners and safeties, who talent-wise, they should be able to stay with those guys. But opposing coaching staffs have found the weaknesses in this South Carolina defense. And I think the last few weeks, really beginning with Mississippi State, they're starting to expose some of those spots. And and that's on South Carolina's defensive staff to fix it. I know they're, they're not comfortable uh, right now with the personnel behind the DQ Smiths and the Eamon Warries and, and guys like that. But you know, if I'm a fan right now, I'd I can kind of see the point of let's let's play some other guys back there and see if they can produce. Now, are are those true freshmen and uh, sophomore guys better than what the Gamecocks have in that starting lineup right now? Probably not. But you you do want to see some other guys play and see if they can cover better. I mean, there's in in Florida's game Saturday, there were three or four plays where South Carolina makes a tackle, and, and they win the game. They bat down a ball on fourth down, they win the game. But with every two and four team nationally, man, I, I watch a lot of football, not just South Carolina, every week. There, there's always four or five plays a game you can point to where this below 500 team, you know, mm. uh, could be bowl eligible. Bad, bad teams don't make plays when they need to. And right now, South Carolina's a bad team. Uh, can Can that change Saturday and guys start producing and executing better? Sure, but um, – I don't think the blame right now goes on solely Clayton White. 
I don't think it goes solely on the players. It's just everything has gone wrong at a bad time for the Gamecocks. Man, you know, you just said something that I really it, – it, it shouldn't be brilliant, but it really is a brilliant statement that when teams are struggling, when you look at their record, and, and right now it is where it is at two and four in the season, you could probably say this exact same thing, Brad, if we look up in a few weeks – and and you know they're they're four and six or three and seven. It usually is just a handful of plays sure. uh, is what dictates that record. Uh, here here are some disturbing. This is this is disturbing on the defensive side of the football. The last two games at home, um, Will Rogers, who who by the way is it, it really at the end of the day is an outstanding passer. Uh, Mike Leach taught him to be something special. But that offense was not doing anything near what they're doing with Mike Leach until they came to Columbia. So you take Will Rogers, you take Grand Mertz. They had identical, uh, you know, passes completed versus pass attempts. If anybody had noticed, 30 of 48 uh, in both of them in each game. That's 60 for 96. Really, at the end of the day, that's a pretty good percentage from the defense for for South Carolina. 36 incompletions thrown between those two QBs on the road in Columbia. That's that's about a 60% completion rate. That's pretty darn good from a defensive standpoint. Here's what isn't good. 423 and 487. That's 910 yards and two guys, Tulu and Pearsall, 17 catches for 422. So it's the, it's the, what all that, that just screams matchups. That's all it says. Bad matchups, bad matchups, bad matchups, not getting fixed. And, and I don't know what the hell they're going to do about it, but um, that has got to be identified. And, and, you know, Brad, we've seen some adjustments from time to time. But it, it just doesn't feel like enough of those are being made in game. They might be made post game, but game's over. They got to find a way to to figure out an answer or a backup plan in the ball game when when these guys are exploiting something uh, that uh, that's been on tape. Apparently, there's enough of it on tape to exploit. You you have to limit explosive plays. We we've seen Dow Loggins' offense be elite enough at times this season where you know South Carolina's going pretty much be in every game it plays, regardless of how bad. The other side of the football is playing, but you have to get stops defensively. You can't keep continuing to give up these 35 to 45 yard plays. I think Mississippi State fellas had maybe seven completions over 35 yards, which was ridiculous. As you mentioned, JB, for an offense that was ranked about 13th in the SEC during those first three games of the season. And then Graham Merce comes in. I mean, I, I had him ranked 14th in the SEC. I'm not the only media guy who did that entering the season. And he throws for a career best, 423. And Florida is not this explosive offense where it can go three or four wide receivers deep. Ricky Pearsall is a transfer, just like Graham Mertz. He played at Arizona State. He's the only guy on that offense who I think averages better than 15 yards a catch. And South Carolina staff let him beat them with 10 catches for 166 yards. That being said, the Gamecocks still had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. You know, some of some of the horror visions of the 2014 defense blowing fourth quarter leads kind of came about inside williams Bryce Stadium on Saturday. But um, I'm not throwing in the towel yet on this season. I know it's two and four right now, probably probably two games worse than a lot of us expected. But I still think South Carolina can can get to bowl eligibility and sort of salvage this third season for Shane Beamer. Um, very, very important to start that Saturday, though. You, you fall to two and five, uh, it's looking pretty grim. Missouri, you, yeah. go ahead. Nope, nope, you're up. Go ahead. Welcome back, by the way. Good to see you. Did you and Mike? Sorry, I had a – no, I had a – let's just say a a, uh, 
uh, I had to feed my turtle. How about that? You schemed, schemed against it. You and Mike were calling each other. Talking. Yeah, I'm going to call an ahead, audible here and see what they say. No, um, look, so Missouri, this is not the best matchup. This is not Florida in 2021 coming in after that loss to LSU they had where they couldn't stop the run against Kojo. Uh, and then they got their teeth kicked in by Georgia. They weren't really interested in playing. This is not Kentucky in 2022 where they didn't have Levis. And I think, you know, most people that kind of examine that game, Brad, I, and I know talking to you, we felt the Gamecocks, if Levis didn't play, would win just because yep. Kentucky was so limited elsewhere. Um, this is a team in Missouri that, that look, man, I got to give them credit after that loss to LSU, which is heartbreaking for those guys. They got up off the mat, fell behind at Kentucky, got up and punched them in the nose. This is this is a team that's not not reeling, not weak. They, they've, they've had some games where they played it closer than maybe they should have. It's out there. I, I, I don't know. I think this is, this is much more like the underdog situation against Tennessee last year, uh, even though, you know, that spread obviously was bigger. Right. Uh, v- Vegas is thinking something, though, because it's spread seven and a half, eight, six, whatever. Um, but this is a good football team. South Carolina is going to play and one that's had yeah. their number on top of that. Yeah, Vegas is thinking potential letdown, I think, in this spot because, you know, you – you beat Kentucky on the road by 17 points. After this, Missouri goes to an open week before Georgia, which that game could be for the East if Missouri wins this weekend and, and Georgia beats Florida here in a couple of weeks. But, you know, watching, watching Brady Cook this season, Missouri entered September with two quarterbacks, Sam Horn and Brady Cook, who were kind of duking it out. And Mizzou's fan base, the, the home fans were even booing Brady Cook as, as early as week two because they, they wanted to see the other guy. And now, man – He's probably the second best quarterback in the SEC right now, maybe right up there with Rattler and and Jaden Daniels. I was watching the LSU game a couple of weeks ago. They ran a post corner route to the end zone, three consecutive plays, and Brady Cook hit his guy in the hands all three times. And and since then, he's he's really played well. Um, second best quarterback the Gamecocks have faced this season behind Drake May, in my opinion, in the opener. So this is a tough game Saturday, but man, looking at that line as as Hale stated earlier. Uh, maybe South Carolina has a shot in this game. They they at least odds makers that is think that the Gamecocks can can score against Missouri, and so do I. I mean LSU had 49 points. Missouri barely beat Middle Tennessee. Held on to beat Kansas State. So this is a team while at six and one, you know they they've had some breaks fall their way where the Gamecocks have not. I think that's what it is. When the line is, I, I agree with 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 that statement. I think that. Um, that folks are looking at this thinking the Gamecocks can score uh, yep. and and that they probably will score. I think they will score this weekend. I One of the things, by the way, to keep an eye on in this game, Brad, if it is close, uh, the Mevis kid, the, the kicker for Missouri, he is from 30 yards and out. He's only 6 of 12 mm-hmm. on the year. But he's, of course, under that, he's been pretty good. I think he's like 5 five for five um so he he's had a he's had a rough going when that sucker gets beyond 30 yards it you know it might be hooking or sailing on it um you know from a again it's only halfway through the year so a lot can change and if there's anything that has been proven in the last two years under under shane beamer is when everybody just starts to you know kind of 
take his name off the whiteboard. They they kind of get up off the mat. I mean, we clearly saw it last year. I mean, look, the difference in the Florida loss this year and the Florida loss last year is the Gamecocks had already qualified for a bowl game. Sure. That's the difference. Uh, that It was a debacle down there last year, but it, what's worse, having a debacle like that or getting your heart broken? I don't know. I think the record is what's worse. You, you're only you're two and four versus last year. He had six wins. So he has shown the ability, though, to keep it together in that locker room, and they go out and surprise some people, and you kind of left scratching your head a little bit. I think the the rest of this season is vitally important for Shane Beamer just to just to kind of see how it looks at the end. Even if this team fails to make a bowl seat, bowl game and goes five and seven, if they're competitive in those four home games to end it this week against Missouri on the road against A and M. I, I think fans heading into year four are still going to be excited. You got Lenora Sellers, but the the biggest disappointment for me so far is the Gamecocks just haven't seen much of a return on Spencer Rattler. JC Sherber said it. You know he said it earlier. They're they're what ten and nine in in Rattler starts these last two years. We're talking about the most talented quarterback in program history. I don't think anybody expected an automatic you know SEC championship when he signed. But y'all remember two December's ago when all that. Word was starting to get out that, yeah, Rattler's coming to Columbia. Everybody was super excited. He was supposed to be this savior source for this offense. And, you know, we sort of saw late in 2022 what 2023 could be with those wins against Tennessee and Clemson. Spencer's playing out of his mind still, by the way. But at, at two and four, it's just been a little bit deflating for fans. I'm, I'm sure it's hard right now being Spencer Rattler behind this offensive line and seeing a defense. Every time he goes to the sideline, they're, they're giving up big plays. But you know, I don't I don't have any issue right now with fans who are upset at midseason. They they should be. And based on what South Carolina has invested in Spencer Rattler at 10 and nine and maybe missing a bowl game in his final season, it's it's been a disappointment. OK. On the on the offense, I look there. You got three units here. I, I think special teams has gotten worse. I'm not saying they're bad because they, they Pete Limbo is just outstanding then you know, they, these guys, mean, I would say. yeah yeah they, they they need to get better but uh but if there's anybody you know you, you put your faith in it's it's pete limbo um defense has gotten worse the offense though has gotten better and and i think we just saw it here in the uh in the chat box somebody said the offense is going to need to to travel looks i think one of the most crucial things for south carolina this weekend and moving forward JC, I think you said it yesterday, and by God, you couldn't be any more right. Vershawn Lee has got to be healthy because I think that that might be that might be their best group of linemen we saw out there this weekend. I think they figured it out. Yeah, I think they that that might be the group in in run game. Well, I mean, that was the that was the whole thing, right? Like get the run game going, get the offensive line figured out. They're they're gonna fly. It seemed like it was kind of there this weekend. They hung 40 on a moment, you know, so and if, they, if they can get that consistent, Brad, you, you know, you, yeah, you might be giving up some points, but hell, you might also be able to score some. And you need a second target that's uh, behind XL, you know, because these, these last couple of games, XL's played great, by the way, still, but teams are starting to key on him more. They they know that, well, we're going to let somebody else try and beat us and, and not let 17 get loose. Maybe that guy's Trey Knox. This was the best tight end performance I've seen in probably a whole season out of Gamecocks tight ends from, from Simon and Trey Knox production. But you want to see another wide receiver, another pass catcher step up behind XL. And then, as you guys mentioned, the offensive line 
is starting to uh, gel, I would say. And and run blocking the last couple of weeks has been just light years better than it was early in the season. Part of that, it, you know, is due to the personnel changing in the backfield. But I do think that um, when when you have a guy who can maybe shake some tackles at, at the hole or line of scrimmage, that also gives the O-line some confidence that, hey, even if we don't, you know, totally block a DT or an edge guy, we still have a chance at a, at a positive game. Mario Anderson's easy to pull for, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Man, he's, he, <laughs> he he's seems really – He seems to love Carolina, too. He what? He, he, he seems to love Carolina. He does. Uh, you know, I played I played for his high school coach when his high school <coughs> coach was at Wando. And, um, and Denny is just outsta- outstanding. Um, this kid is just – you know, when, when you watch him run, guys, I, I don't think I'm giving too much credit here. Guy, guy could have – I mean, he's, he's, he's not just like a feel-good story. Guy's a good running back. Guy's a good running back. He's got another year. And everybody's going to talk about this, that, and the other guy, and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I'll put my money on Mario Anderson. I like him. The way he runs is hard. He's fun. He loves it. Uh, man, man, really, really good stuff. Brad, uh, before we let you run here, um, elsewhere around the SEC, anything that's on the uh, top of your docket uh, to keep focused on here throughout the week and into the weekend? This is the first time in several years, guys, where there's half the SEC is still alive for that you know, two-team SEC championship game. You got uh, four teams in the East who are – still alive mathematically and then you've got LSU, Bama and Ole Miss. You know that that Ole Miss at Georgia game in November is going to come into play for for both divisions. Um Bama Tennessee this weekend is obviously huge. Georgia Florida has now gotten bigger because Florida unexpectedly won in Columbia. So, you know, I don't I don't think the SEC Championship game right now at midseason is as predictable as we thought it would be and there's a far out chance based on the rest of the AP poll and how the playoff committee is going to select the first rankings here in a couple of weeks that the SEC might miss the playoff. If Georgia loses a regular season game and, and maybe loses to a two loss Bama team or even a 12 and one SEC champion, Georgia, if there's four other pack um, power five champions, as Phil said earlier today, Georgia's out because the schedule hadn't been good enough so far. So if I'm an SEC homer right now, which most of us are, I'd be a little bit worried that not only is the SEC's playoff reign as national champions going to be over, but we might not see an SEC team in the Final Four. Wow. Which would be uh, – maybe maybe that's good for college football. I don't know. It's made for some exciting games outside of the conference. I'll I'll give it that. I mean, there are some really good games. Just because you show you a a twelve team playoff is going to be a Florida State, Oklahoma Sugar Bowl. That'd be good, and uh, yeah, Washington, Michigan Rose Bowl or Washington Penn State Rose Bowl. I'm down. The twelve team. I cannot wait for the twelve team playoff. (laughs) I can't wait for it. There's a scenario that I that I looked at today where Alabama. Ole Miss and LSU can all finish seven and one in the West. And then they go to an eight step tiebreaker, which would be just insane. That is insane, Dave. If you, by the way, if you had a uh, 12 team playoff right now. Oh, man. And it finished right now, today. This was it. Period. The end. Your top four Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, which that, of course, probably wouldn't be the case because Michigan and Ohio State hadn't played yet. But you would have. Washington hosting Oregon State, Oklahoma hosting Alabama, Penn State hosting North Carolina, and Texas hosting Oregon. Sounds sounds kind of fun, doesn't it? You know, 
That's That'd awesome. be pretty neat. That'd be the pretty old, neat. Uh, hey, hey, don't count the old man out now up in Chapel Hill. Well, I'm not. I, no, I, that's, they, they could get because they don't. A dark horse are there. That's they got to go to Clemson. That Clemson game kind of would scare me if I were them. Yep. But because Clemson's defense is good enough to give them problems, and, and Clemson, it's at Clemson. But they finish undefeated and play Florida State and Charlotte. I don't know that. I don't know that uh, FSU is an overwhelming favorite in that one. I think it's probably about a field goal to touchdown spread. That's what that's where I would have it. And I I think Mac Brown right now, maybe him and Brent Venables are are runaway favorites for National Coach of the Year. I'm with you that's there. That's a great dude. point. True. I agree with that. I mean, now, boy, I I didn't see what Brent's doing. I didn't see that coming. Now, old James Franklin beats uh, Ohio State, oh, and Michigan. Yeah. James will be the guy, but uh, cause James needs that bad. Uh, but uh, and I, I'm not, I'm not counting that out because I think Penn State's been impressive. They just haven't played anybody. Uh, so who knows? We'll find out this weekend, won't we, with Penn State? So uh, it's, yeah, a, I, it's an, it, I hate Carolina's two and four because I mean, otherwise hey, this is an exciting year. You know? But I don't. Hey, look, there's actually I, I'm with you, but like Kalen DeBoer. You know, Kalen DeBoer is going to be in that conversation, at least as it stands right now. I mean, Washington, I, Brad, I mentioned to, to the to the golden tones of Mike Morgan just a little while ago. There are five teams this week that got votes for the best team in college football from the AP. That's great for the sport. Oh, there he is. He heard, he heard golden tones. Oh, he's back. Right back in. So yeah. I, w- I would have no issue uh, if I was an AP top 25 voter putting Washington one right now. I'm going to be honest, too. When when we see the playoff rankings later this month, I, I think Halloween night's the first rankings. I don't expect Georgia or Michigan to be in the one or two spots because neither will have beaten a ranked team yet, and yeah. and that matters to the committee. So don't don't be surprised if Washington and this winner of Ohio State, Penn State, are the top two teams in those first rankings. Well, what about – well, so – but what about – Oh, okay. Florida, well, I guess Florida, Florida, Florida State would fall in that category too, then, huh? Yeah. O- Oklahoma's beaten one ranked team so far. Florida State has a win over LSU. Who has but the it, best win in college football through halfway halfway through? Is it still Oklahoma over Texas, or you know, if if Notre Dame did not have two losses going into South Bend in prime time, Ohio State beating them would would be up there. But I think, yeah, I think Oklahoma's comeback win over Texas because I. I've still got Texas finishing twelve and one and and winning the Big Twelve. So, well, that put them in the playoff. Uh, potentially, in, in theory. Yeah, yeah, because because if Bama loses again and then takes a third loss to Georgia in the championship game, then then that win at Bama is no longer holding much water for Texas. Texas still, I mean, there. I don't. There's nothing. Nothing on their. They can only. They can only get hurt down the stretch. I mean, there's yeah, really they, nothing that's – Texas needs Oklahoma to, to be unbeaten in that game. No. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC, but first they're going to end up battling it out to win the Big 12 in their final year. Did we miss anything, Brad? Uh, Drake May right now at, at plus 1,800 is a good Heisman bet. Oh. The, the last two weeks he's become Drake May again, and that's going to be a chance down the stretch to beat a – Wake Forest, NC State, Duke. Maybe if he throws for 400 in Death Valley, that's another good game. So, yeah, Drake May's a guy that he's like fifth in Heisman odds right now. I'd, I'd put money on Drake May. Hey, Brad, par- parlay that with he might also be the number one pick in the draft over Caleb Williams. 
Yeah, especially if Caleb I said uh, keeps throwing picks and keeps painting his fingernails and all that stuff. Well, I mean, he's hey. he's also like there. There's nothing Drake May can't do. Um, yeah. he's a much better runner than people know. He led the team in rushing last year. Uh, he he's his arm is second to none, uh, and he's he's bigger. He's putting together a better season if you consider right. competition. Uh, I, I mean, I've talked to more than one scout that has told me, do not be surprised if Drake is number one, not number two. Man, I can't wait to go to next year's combine in Indy. And well, you know, we don't we don't really know if him and Caleb are going to throw on Indy because they're probably going to be a top two picks, like you said. But mm. there's going to be a lot of like late first round, early day two guys who really improve their stock at the combine or you know fall. So I'm I'm looking forward to the quarterbacks next year. Especially Rattler too. Yeah. Hey, over under Drake May throws for um, five thousand yards against Virginia on Saturday. <laughs> what What happens if that game's like seventeen to ten going into the fourth quarter? Uh it is on the CW, so oh, supernatural. Yes. Don't forget supernatural <laughs> things happen on the CW. CW upset upset of the week there. <laughs> Actually, my, my my pick for that one is a Marion Hampton to rush for like two fifteen and three scores. He's yeah, a beast. Yeah, he's he's, he's going to show his stuff in front of the Gilmore girls. Yeah. Uh, uh, a Hampton will be charmed. <laughs> that game. Yeah. So, uh, I don't want to wait. wait. Hey, I will so say this though: the Antonio Elliott to divorce it, court. I'm sorry, I had to get mine in there. I'm done. It is. It is big, but the line at 23 and a half, I, I actually thought it might be a little bit bigger. If Virginia loses, they're really up Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Thank you. Good night, everybody. Try the pepper steak. Brad, we'll let you go find some, some dad jokes elsewhere, my friend. Thank you so much for your time, as always, and enjoy another set to be hopefully wonderful week of college football we'll see you back here pretty soon you always thanks. do great work we really appreciate thank you so it. much brad thanks yeah, brad see you guys thank you we scared him off with the dad jokes here at the end all right it's 135 yeah, he, probably, he probably doesn't watch cw he probably don't know what the hell we're well how old about. is brad brad looks like a young a young lad he's he's, he's, he's kind of my age, jamie right? and phyllis is he like 32 how old am I? Nah, he's hey, old. I'm not thirty. Mid thirties. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about Crawford. Yeah, yeah, he's mid. Okay, because I mean, if you're when, like Dawson's Creek, to go back to that. Yeah. If you're under the age of I don't know thirty five, you probably don't even get that reference. Well, we yeah. all have females, or and have had many females in our lives. Some of us. Yeah, you don't understand the, two, the Katie. The two, Holmes. the two of us on the bottom have the two of us on the top have <laughs> females. Uh, and when you're in a long-term relationship with females, that you learn all about the programming on the CW. It's un, it's unavoidable. Yeah, it's unavoidable. yeah. Incidentally, yeah. I have one in my house going through the entire Gilmore Girls catalog right now. <laughs> Phil, yeah, Phil's a girl dad. Jamie's not quite there yet, but you wait, dude. You just wait, brother. When the twins get older and they discover Gilmore Girls. My kids can handle it. We watched Halloween last night. I'm just kidding. They're only four. You, you don't All know right. what he, what he We got to hit a uh, very timeout. It is time to hit a timeout. Game time. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. 
So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. It is time. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. We love Love Chevy and we appreciate what they do for us here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It is, though, now time to take a drive around the SEC. Let me squeeze in a couple of quick things, Mike, uh, off the desk of Coach Beamer. Mario Anderson is good to go. He'll be playing this weekend. Stone Blanton, questionable linebacker for South Carolina. Sean Lee is doubtful. Uh, so that's not good news up front for Gamecock football. Probably their most consistent and best lineman this year. Unlikely to play. Kaysen Henry uh, is uh, practicing won't play Saturday, but uh, trying to hopefully get him back by the time they make the trip to College Station. That's the injury report from Shane Beamer for the Love Chevy driver on their SEC. We turn it over to the Golden Tones 
of the great Mike Morgan. All right, let's get inside a blazer and drive around the SEC, shall we? Uh, we're down to two undefeated teams in Georgia and Alabama. Georgia 4-0, Bama 4-0. Of course, Georgia getting the bad news about Brock Bowers with the ankle, going to have surgery. Maybe he already did. Out four to six weeks. We talked about that stretch of games. There's a lot of tough games uh, that they could be playing without the number one tight end in the country who probably would have been on some Heisman ballots if he was able to play the entire year. There are three teams in the SEC without a win. Vanderbilt's 0-4. Auburn is 0-3. Mississippi State is 0-3. I'm not sure if any of those are a huge surprise, although I think a lot of people thought Vanderbilt would be a little bit better this year under Clark Lee. They have not been. And anytime Auburn is 0-3, with, even with Hugh Freeze, you kind of just look like, really, they haven't won one yet? I'm sure they will, but as of right now, 0-3. Six teams ranked in the national AP Top 25, Georgia 1, Bama 11. If you go back and look, there's some like startling stats on how many weeks Nick Saban has been the coach at Alabama and they have not been in the top 10. It's, it's like 99% of the time they're in the top 10 during his reign. There are 11 now, technically speaking. Ole Miss is 13, Tennessee is 17, LSU is 19, and Mizzou is number 20. The SEC uh, Offensive Players of the Week. Do you do you really want to hear this? Do you want to know? Do you want of course to take I a do. guess? Oh, I mean, you know, but we know the career uh, days against us, Mike. So we're ready for it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not not surprisingly, it's it's Graham Mertz uh, with what he was able to do. I won't uh, go over the stat. Let's just gloss right over that. It's it's, it's that's just gonna. Bring back okay. memories, but Graham Mertz was the guy. Facts are facts. Was, we deal in facts, not fiction. Or feelings, right? Or feelings. We don't deal with feelings around here. We just deal with facts. Yeah, he was the um, – hold on. Let me go back and track that down. He was the SEC <clears throat> Offensive Player of the Week. Career performance for him. Career performance as well for Ricky Pearsall with 10 catches and, of course, the winning uh, touchdown reception. By the way, speaking of the um, – oh, yeah, Jaden Daniels, first player in program history, talk about LSU, surpassed 5,000 passing yards, 1,000 rushing yards. Nobody has played better quarterback in the league than him. Um, but I don't think he's going to be on many Heisman ballots because they've already got two losses, and they're probably not done in that category either with the rest of their schedule. But he's been fantastic. It's really been a, a terrific year for quarterback play in the in the Southeastern Conference you know what the play in that Kentucky-Missouri game was? Remember, Kentucky was up 14 nothing. I don't know if any of you watched the game. But the, the key play, it wasn't anything Missouri did on offense or defense. They played a little beamer ball, fake punt. That fake punt turned that game around. Yeah. And then, of course, later on, uh, <clears throat> Brady Cook did what Brady Cook does this year. The same quarterback that was booed by the Missouri fan base at the beginning of the year. Uh, now all of a sudden has turned out to be one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC. In fact, if you stack up these teams, they're very similar in a lot of different categories. Start with a quarterback spot. Brady Cook is third in the SEC, 2046 in the passing yards. Rattler is fifth. Would be better if better offensive line, better run game to complement, healthy juice wells, et cetera, et cetera. You know the deal. Uh, neither one of them throw a lot of picks. Cook's only thrown three. He set an SEC record for consecutive throws without a pick. Rattler's thrown four. And a lot of the Rattler's picks have been in desperation mode, right? When you're trailing, final drive, you throw it up in a double team, and you say, well, 
got to do something. Uh, but for the most part, these quarterbacks don't make a lot of mistakes. Missouri, on the other hand, does have an elite running back this year. Their, their ground game has been stronger than Carolina's. Uh, Cody Schrader, second in the SEC with 648 rushing yards behind Ray Davis, number one of Kentucky. I think a lot of people would have been surprised to learn Cody Schrader of Mizzou was second in the league in rushing. Both these teams have an elite wide receiver. We know about Xavier Leggett, uh, and I think most people now know the name Luther Burden. Burden second in the SEC in receiving yards. Leggett is third. Second and third. Uh, Mizzou does have a cornerback by the name of Chris Abrams Drain, who's second in the SEC with four interceptions. Both these teams are about the same offensively. Missouri averaged four, 445 in total yards. Carolina 411. That's fourth and seventh, respectively. Here's the biggest difference, although Missouri's not a great in yards per rush. I mean, they're 10th at four yards a carry. Carolina is 13th three yards a carry. You know the only team that's worse than the Gamecocks in rushing? It. This surprised me when I looked at it. Hold on. Alabama? Not that Auburn. big a surprise, though. Not Bama. <laughs> not Bama, although Bama's definitely down compared to what they normally would be. There's no Derrick Henry or Bell Cal that they're just lighting it up with. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a team out west, I think. You would be correct. You know, Darrow's down to seven. I'm going well, home. Is it LSU? Six. We almost thought Bama. No, not LSU. Uh, Three measly yards per carry is what Carolina averages. This team averages less than that. Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas. Now, in, in fairness, yeah. Rocket Sanders has been hurt much of the year. Yeah. But they just can't run the football. Yeah, that's right. They, they just they just cannot run the football this year. It is surprising with Sam it, Pittman. Yeah, I mean, Their you style. think Sam Pittman, you think offensive line play, you think ground and pound, you think yeah. six pack, you think tough. Not so much uh, this year in Fayetteville. And that's that's been the uh, the story there. Looking ahead at the games this weekend, we got Mississippi State at Arkansas. Somebody has to win. There are no ties in college football. Zero and three versus zero and four. Arkansas opens up as a seven-point favorite at home. You know, the common sentiment about Spencer Rattler for a lot of Gamecock fans, and I think fans in general, is, man, it sucks because you're wasting a year of elite quarterback play. And I would argue, much like Mr. Crawford, that he is the most talented, just pure talent player to come through Columbia. Well, Arkansas has got K.J. Jefferson, who's been pretty doggone good during his career as well. And they're looking down the barrel at 2-5, and 0-4 and in the SEC. So just because you have a talented quarterback doesn't mean you're going to win a ton of games if you've got weaknesses elsewhere. Tennessee-Alabama, the marquee game at the CBS 330. Alabama, 9.5-point favorite against the Vols. I think that might be a little bit high. No? We'll talk about it on the Salsaritas Fab 5 on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Milrow and Milton. Who would you a, rather have at quarterback? If you had to pick one of those, I two, would take Milro. I've I've said all along I'm not a Milton guy. Um, you know, you had certain talking heads saying he's by far and away the most talented quarterback in the country at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't know where that talent is. I know he can throw the ball far. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks that can throw the ball really, really far that aren't great quarterbacks. At least Milro is a, is a better runner, so I would take Milro. Are you telling me you're not predicting a? Hendon Hooker, 
uh, 52-49 victory no, this year no, like no, they no, had no, last no. year over the time? No, I think this this could very well be the first one to 24 winds up winning that game. Just to Give me Bama. Yeah, well, you you know how I feel. You already asked me who the best one-loss team in the country is, so I think you know who I'm picking. I'll tell you this. Watch out for Tennessee down there. They, uh, during their long losing streak, the two games they could have won, one was Kiffin's one year. And uh, remember the, the Terrence Cody block field goal? Yeah. And the other one was Champions of Life. Uh, took one of his better teams. I think it was 2015. Down there, had them beat. And they, they had like a minute and eight on the clock. Bama went down and scored a touchdown to beat, beat old champions of life. But uh, sometimes in Tuscaloosa, they'll give them a better game than maybe they used to in Knoxville. So well, just wanted to chime Mike, in there with that. Mike yeah. just said something a minute ago. You want to know how many points Alabama scored in each of their last three home games? 24, exactly. I do want to know, yes. 24. 24. Exactly. In every game. 24-21 over Arkansas, 24-10 over Ole Miss. They lost to Texas, 34-24. Look, I mean, here's the thing. They don't have a Brock Bauer as a tight end. They usually have a really good NFL tight end. They don't have a Xavier Leggett or Burton at wide receiver. They haven't had that now two years in a row, which is surprising for Alabama. I mean, their top receiver is a transfer from Georgia and Burton. Um they don't have your typical quarterback that you really feel good about. And their offensive line has had issues. I mean, ordinarily, this would bury a team in the SEC. But it's Alabama's defense, and it's Nick Saban, and it's just enough talent even with those deficiencies to win a lot of games. And that's what they're doing still. We'll see, though. I, I agree with JC. I mean, this is certainly a winnable game if you're Tennessee. Um, but I just... And Saban, we trust in a game like this for me. Ole Miss at Auburn. Ole Miss is if if it's possible to be a quiet five and one, two and one in the SEC. Mm-hmm. That's what Ole Miss. Uh, Auburn is at home, desperate to win a game in the conference. Judkins is running again. Jackson Dart. Don't forget Jackson Dart. I mean, we're talking about Cook and Rattler and and obviously uh, Daniels. Jackson Dart's been terrific this year in Oxford. Just saying. This game will be uh, closer is, than people think it will be. Well, they're Ole Miss is six and a half point favorite. That's pretty close, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Auburn Saturday night. It's gonna be. It's gonna be pretty pretty wild. Zero three in the league. Need an SEC win. They're feeling it. This is that they feel this is their opportunity. But well, they're due for one. I agree with you. I mean, they're yeah, and they've been knocking on the door like they've they've come close. Well, they didn't last week. No, not last week, but you go back to the Georgia game. You go back to A&M. Uh, no, a- not A&M. They were in the A&M game for a while, A&M. Yeah. I mean, they've had a couple where they – That game they, was on the road. They, along with Vanderbilt, might have the worst quarterback play in the league. Right? I mean, yeah. that's what they're, they're one player yeah. away from winning a couple more than they have, probably. Uh, and in the who the hell scheduled this game category, LSU hosts Army. That'll be on SEC Network in prime time. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah, I, I got nothing for you on that one. You know, you got to you got to beat the Black Knights too. You know, I mean, it is what it is. There you go. That is your love Chevy drive around the SEC.
I want one of those 2500s that they've got sitting on the lot out there. I drove by Love Chevy last week, as a matter of fact. Really, they really are still going strong. We appreciate their uh, our association with the premier auto dealer in the capital city of Columbia. Yeah, two my, hours I might from add just about to, anywhere. It is, and I might add to their prices there are a thousand times better than prices in the low country. So, sounds like the Bradford family might be making a trip to Love Chevy. Just saying, yeah. could yeah. happen. So Mike, there was something you mentioned. We we're talking about Heisman, and I know you're a voter. How much does winning? influence your ballot or Great. maybe a better question would be how much better would a player have to be on a losing team to get your vote? Great question. I'd love to, to give the answer that people want to hear, which is it doesn't matter at all. The best player is the best player. And that's who I vote for, but we are all swayed by the guy who has an impact, not just as like a great athlete or a great player, but helps you win games. I mean, that's like, again, going to Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers helps Georgia win big-time games and big-time moments. If you're a special player that's putting up great numbers on a 6-6 six and six team, you have no chance at the award. And I might put you on the ballot in that case, but I doubt I'm going to vote you number one. And I'm thinking in my head as you pose the question, first off, almost every player that I voted for since my first ballot in, what, 07? Uh, has been quarterback. There's been some exceptions. There's been a wide receiver or two. Um, there have been defensive players on my ballot, but not number one. So if you're a quarterback, you're the most responsible player for wins and losses. So when you start breaking it down by position and by resumes, again, you're 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 naturally going to gravitate toward the players that play the most impactful positions on the most successful teams. That's just, that's just natural to do. Um, right now, I would tell you Penix is going to be leading things, and that can be changed 10 times between now and December 3rd, whenever the deadline is. <clears throat> but it's a good question. I, and I wrestle with this uh, quite a bit. I really wrestled with it last year. Now I'll tell you like, Caleb got my vote, but he didn't look great against Utah. Most important game of the year, Utah won it. And but there just weren't there weren't many other great candidates at that time. It's almost it felt like almost that Caleb won it by default. I, he's not going to win it this year, I don't believe. That Notre Dame performance was on a big big time stage. That was bad. He basically. That game ended by halftime. He threw three terrible picks. He almost threw a fourth. He fumbled the ball. He, he was just not good. He was just not good. So now you start looking at other names, and um, Penix is going to be up there. Somebody in Ohio State, Penn State, whoever winds up reigning supreme in the Big Ten is certainly going to be a, a factor in all this. Um, in the SEC, I mean, that's the weird thing about Georgia, like, they might win it again, but they don't really have a Heisman candidate. Um, if Dylan Would Gabriel stayed healthy, what's that? Would Bowers have been if he'd have maintained? I his think he. I think season? Bowers. If if Brock Bowers didn't get hurt and they ran the table and he kept doing what he was doing, he was going to be on a lot of ballots. I don't know if he was going to finish number one, but he would have been on a lot of ballots. It would have been potentially historic for a tight end to get that much attention. It really would have. 
Now, the other name I was going to mention, Oklahoma, if Dylan Gabriel does the same thing twice because they're going to play in the Big 12 championship game again, that's going to be a rematch. If he did it again, then all of a sudden Dylan Gabriel, who honestly I've never been that high on, uh, he could be a candidate for the award. I think it's going to be it's going to be a tight race. It really is. I think it's a shame that Jalen Daniels, if they keep winning, will be an afterthought. There are two losses yeah. this year against Florida uh, versus uh, uh, Florida State uh, in Week One, and then losing to Ole Miss uh, later on down the road. They gave up a combined hundred points. That ain't his fault. No, and he threw for he threw for seven hundred sixty yards in those two games with five touchdowns. Absolutely. Hey, look if they if he lights it up against Alabama, a game that ordinarily we'd all be talking about, but it's almost been forgotten this year. If he does that, uh, he could still get consideration. He he, he could still get consideration because uh, that's the that's the meaningful game where he's gonna. Uh, that game always draws eyeballs, always. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will see how he does in that game against that defense. So he's not completely out of the running yet. But just like we were talking about with the title is more open than it's ever been. The playoff is more open than it's that it's been in this modern era. You could make the argument, so is the Heisman Trophy right now. Jaden Daniels has thrown for, by the way, just seven yards less than Michael Penix Jr. this year. That's, and he, uh, yeah, that's against much better defense. defenses. Against much better defenses, yeah. yeah. I, like, I'm a big Jaden Daniels guy. I'll, I'll be yeah. full full uh, disclosure. Hey, I, think he's, you, I think he's an amazing talent. By the way, do you all realize who has thrown, who has thrown for the fourth most yards in college football? Well, who are the top three, first off? Well, it's it's Shadur, San, Shadur Sanders, Michael Penix, and Jaden Daniels. Number four is going to surprise you because only a few weeks ago, you, everybody, nobody was – everybody was like, eh. Gabriel? Cade Kublik? Carson Beck. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he's Snuck up on you, up. didn't it? Yeah. Snuck up on you. Yeah. Yeah, because you still associate Georgia with a more conservative attack. Yeah, like it's they, not a knock on Beck, but you just think of them running the ball and being a little mm-hmm. more conservative. Yeah, snuck up on us. So uh, Shane Beamer broke his foot kicking stuff in frustration after yeah. the game Saturday. Well, that's what the best coaches do. You know, they they, they 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 put themselves on the IL when uh, when when their players are or, on you, the IL. or you just go down to the swamp and wrestle a gator until he dies. It is one uh, fifty nine. We are out of time here on a gorgeous I'm Tuesday afternoon. Go ahead. Not sad about that. Actually, I am. I've had fun this show. I'm in a better mood now than I was when we got on. How about that? <laughs> that's, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Progress through the week. You know, we by Friday we'll be convincing hey, ourselves it's, the upset. Hey, Wednesday is the day the Gamecock sun comes up again, right? That's Everybody right. starts to go, hey. We match up pretty well against these guys Saturday. Yeah, right. <laughs> By Thursday, everybody's like, we're hey. going to win. Hey, you know? smart money's on the Gamecocks. The line's down to six and a half. Wow. Oh, yeah. Somebody oh. knows something. Well, their injury report came out and was interesting. They, their injury report. And I know everybody's freaking about Rashawn Lee being doubtful, and I get that. And believe me, it sucks. But Sidney Fugar wasn't perfect, but played probably his best game after he went in. Still scored right touchdowns after he was in. I mean, yeah, you, you, yeah, you had solid drive. 
I don't like it because Missouri's got a very active, disruptive front. But probably better than Florida's. But in in all that, in, in all in the name that is holy, do not put a 6'3 safety on Luther Burden on Saturday. No. To quote Ivan Drago in Rocky IV, you I will lose. Break. It's not a good, not a good idea. I must break you. Not a good. Let somebody else beat you. Do not put him one on one on an island, like Ricky Pearsall. He can Don't snap ankles too. Don't do it. No. Just, just, a, just a thought. Hey, by the way, for those asking, yes, we will tell you who the. Uh, I will be in touch with somebody uh, today who the winner of the Salsaritas Fab Five is. For those of you too cheap to actually call Suki and get your Fiesta pack, uh, they actually do serve great food at the Columbia Salsaritas uh, for a nominal fee. That's 803-543-6297, the catering hotline. 803-543-6297. You can tell me you heard about it here on ITG. We are out of time. Reminder, 25% off all apparel right now at Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is built by the Barn Dominium Co., where you can build your dream home, thebarndominiumco.com there. For Mike, Brad, Hale, JC, and Mad Dog, I'm JB. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.